and we're live. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the 192nd episode of the Fake Nerd Podcast. I'm Brandon C. McClure. With me, as always, on this quarantine cast journey is Sparks Witty. Hi, hi. Ryan Heliopolis, the 14th Esquire. You can just call me Ryan. I like it. <laughs> uh, no, not anymore. Escargo. Benjamino Magneto, the second. Waka the Waka. Fifth. The second, the fifth. The second, the fifth. Does that mean I'm the seventh? Sure. Or the tenth. Uh, I, I like to, to, to think the seventh, honestly. Lineages, okay. how do they work? I don't know. Yes, uh, I don't know. I am, I am here in my hometown of Monterey Bay because it's my dad's birthday. So I risk the travel to see my 87-year-old dad and my blind diabetes dog. There you go. Diabetic dog. She doesn't recognize me anymore. Is it because she's blind? Yeah, she recognizes by scent now. And since my scent is different, she doesn't know who I am. Oh. You oh. should just like cover yourself in sausage at all times. So she's like, <laughs> oh, that smells great. At least she'll love me then. Yeah. <laughs> False love, but it'll be love. Uh, how are you guys this week? What, are you, what have you guys been up to? Who wants to go first? Um, I'll go first because I don't, besides just playing lots of video games, I don't think I did a lot really. Uh, like I said last week, I got a new computer. So uh, I started playing this game called Control, which is um, an X-Files Twin Peaks-esque adventure game that's really, really cool and really surreal. And I'm, I'm really glad... I got to play it under the right circumstances because, as as we've talked about before, uh, Control came out on the regular consoles, but the performance is really bad and it's really cl- uh, j- uh, janky and clunky. So I played it on my new PC. Runs like a beaut. Looks great. Super excited. Uh, the problem on sh- my streaming end, I can't get my streaming to work right. Uh, so that's a work in progress. Um, did I watch any TV shows? No. Besides with you, I think. Yeah, we um, watched. Uh, we can cover them real quick. Yeah, we did our our weekly Motherland, which is now over. We watched the season finale. Um, it did get renewed this week. That's thanks to, thanks to oh. you, guys. Uh, Motherland, Fort Salem, and my friend's show uh, from Freeform. Everything's going to be okay. Both were renewed for second seasons. Hell yeah, nice. that's awesome. Um, so very stoked about that because Motherland is is still really interesting. It had, it had a, uh, I think a pretty cool ending. So it's a good good way to like, oh man, what's the next season going to yeah, be? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, and uh, we watched Harley Quinn, mm-hmm. which was really good. Yes. Uh, continues to be really good. And what else? It was I guess those are our only shows this week. I think so. Did we watch any movies together? No. No. I watched uh, Ip Man. Uh, for the downright annoyed movie podcast, it man is so cool. He punches a hundred punches a second. Uh, Donnie Yen's great. Uh, if you guys have never seen it, man, arguably one of the the best modern martial arts movies of all time. Like truly exceptional, not just in martial arts. Um, it's a really good movie. Like the drama is really good, and Donnie Yen's really good. It's about this pacifist who's also a fighter dealing with an invasion during World War II. So it's steeped in historical accuracy. And it man was a real person who did train Bruce Lee. So a lot of the fighting is like. It's dramatized for a movie, but like this was a real person who went through real shit in World War II. So it's like it's really cool to see a martial arts movie that's based in some accuracy, even though they're still doing kicky flips and like this isn't Crouching Tiger. I wanted to see that one. It's so and apparently there's there's four of them. I didn't know there was four of them, and they're all good. So I'm like, oh my god, I have three more great martial arts movies to watch. He fights Mike Tyson in one of them. Yeah, I've heard about this franchise. I always wanted to see it, and I'm like, what? Uh, So uh, that's me, it man in video games. Uh, I'll just piggyback off his. Um, I finished my rewatch of 
the original dub of Neon Genesis Evangelion, uh, the 1997 version. Um, I'll stand up and give you an applause. Was, yeah, yeah, congratulations. Um, <laughs> uh, I could be I, part of the conversation now. This is great. Yeah, yeah. When I was, when I was going back and finishing it, um, I was thinking about, you know, why, uh, why it was certainly the way it was and like making death and rebirth and end of Evangelion. So I, I went to look into it. And um, so episodes, <clears throat> so when he made death and rebirth, which you guys didn't watch um, uh, there's things cut in there that um, because there was a lot of uh, disagreement between him and the anime studio about what the ending of the series should be. And that led to a lot of production delays all the way back to episode 21, but it's most obvious in episodes 25 and 26. The reason why there's so much reused animation to tell the story is because they actually like totally ran out of production time and budget in order to, uh, because the studio was kind of cutting him off. So the whole thing is that uh, because it was so popular, he wanted to go back and tell the story the way he wanted to tell it. The first way he tried to do that was death and rebirth and end of Evangelion. And while he was happy with end of Evangelion, he wasn't very happy with Death and Rebirth. So what he did is after that, he actually took pieces from Death and Rebirth and then a few more pieces and put them back into episodes 21 through 24 in what's called the director's cut versions, which are about five to six minutes longer episodes that apparently improve the narrative of the story. And I haven't watched them, um, but now I'm looking into that because <laughs> I want to watch those. Mm-hmm. And then so like his ideal version of watching Evangelion is that you watch one through 20 of these series then 21 through 24, the director's cut episodes, and then end of Evangelion. And that's the series. That's three different things. I'll do it. I love it. I'll do wow. it. Yeah. So I'll, I, do, I'll just, do it too. Just, so I just ordered uh, DVDs that are just episodes 21 through 24 of the director's cuts uh, from the ADV dub from 1997 uh, that they re-released for the Platinum Collection years later. And I just got those off eBay, so they'll be arriving... And I'll check those out and I'll, I'll share those around with you because apparently like, it's really hard to know you're finding the director's cut episodes online. Hmm. I'm um, very interested in watching that. Yeah. I'm, I'm super curious now. Uh, so that's going to be my whole thing. And then at some point I'm going to go through the Netflix stuff and see how that compares. Cause I know there's a lot of controversy around episode 24. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know about that cause I only watched the Netflix stuff, but what, so, what it is, uh, so there's a controversy. Like, I don't know the, cause I haven't watched the Netflix stuff though. I've read articles. Um, the controversy is about uh, the last angel um, in the original American dub, and uh, it's some, some people would argue the intention in the original series in Japan is to be a very homosexual-based yes. relationship, and that Netflix, that Netflix's dub steers further away from that than they felt they should, like literally changing some of the original English dub lines. Yes, they do. <laughs> Uh, so, so one note in particular is when they're in the shower together in episode 24, um, in the 1997 dub, he tells uh, Shinji flat out, I love you. Mm-hmm. Um, and when Shinji's talking about it later, he says, he he said he loved me. And that's really important to him. And apparently, like, love is not a word used in the network. It's right. no. they, say, they say like. Yeah. yeah. I, I like. will say, because um, I don't want to go into it because... Uh, you haven't watched it yet, right. but I do think the Netflix one does shy away from it being a straight-on homosexual relationship, but I do think the Netflix thing, I do think it's implied. 
I do think with the way it's it's still the same animation. That's what I was so say. I was gonna the say fact like, that he says I like you, and there's still a shower scene. It's still I still felt it. Yeah, I, I, I think like I did too. Visually, you can't get away from it. Yes, because I'm like it's so blatantly there. And I was thinking about that mm -hmm. when I was watching this dub. But I do understand the point where people are saying, why would you even bother changing it from love to like? Yes. Why would you yeah. change like, certain? There are other examples, but I didn't go through all of them. But other examples where the dialogue has shifted to make it less overt. Yes than the original animation dub and, and everyone's just upset about that because like in america in 1997 it was a really big deal to have an anime that was so blatantly saying here's a homosexual connection mm -hmm. uh and the, the there's just a whole lot of people who were fans of the series specifically for being representation yeah that are like why did netflix change that and that kind of thing we'll get into that another day yeah. um but I the think I think we've been we've been talking about this so much. Possibly, we should do a special on it. It's it's coming. It, I'm sure it's coming. I'm glad um, I, I'm glad to start it. We'll have to we'll have to watch those director's cut episodes though. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, other than that, I um, read the latest chapter of uh, Dragon Ball Super because that came out earlier this week. And after I did, it made me want to play video games so bad. <laughs> so I started playing Xenoverse 2 because I just recently got all of the add-on material. So I have all the add-on material up to date, um, which includes stuff from Super, includes stuff from Fighters, and includes stuff from uh, Dragon Ball Super Heroes, uh, which is really cool because they're just blatantly going for, like, with Dragon Ball Super Heroes in Dragon Ball Xenoverse 2, even though they've acknowledged that, like, messing with time creates the multiverse in a sense they're now being blatantly like, here's where this multiverse exists and where this multiverse exists. And like the villain from Dragon Ball Super Heroes appears in a mission to make uh, the moment where Goku and Vegeta in the original canon are supposed to become blue. Instead, they turn into Super Saiyan 4 and he messes with the timeline there and you have to fix it. Ooh. So it's really cool. Uh, I, I just watched uh, totally totally not Mark did a did a whole review episode on the first 20 episodes of Super Dragon Ball Heroes. It's really fascinating stuff. That show is weird. <laughs> We've yeah. watched like half of it. We, I think we watched the whole first season. Okay, and then we yeah. didn't watch season two. They come out I in like watch more. What, like five like, minute They chunks? come in, out in like Quibi bursts. Yeah, they're like Quibi bursts, but it's really cool because it's just like, oh, there's Super Saiyan Four Goku fighting Super Saiyan Goku. Yeah. Okay. Sure. I, I remember like uh, where where we left off was like cooler right at the beginning of season two. No, where uh, the two like baby twins yeah appeared in the Zamasu timeline. Okay. And we we're like, oh, what baby. is happening? Yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, God. exactly. Um, so anyway, Xenoverse 2 actually became like a game I didn't think I would spend a bunch of time playing this week, but I did because I wanted to get my character up to Super Saiyan Blue, and I did, and it's great. Um, <laughs> uh, other than that, I, I didn't really dabble in any other video games as much other than like playing online. We played a bunch of Overwatch. I was at the comic book store this week. I forgot. it. So did yeah. I. I only got one new comic. It was Jimmy Olsen. But that's okay. I got there was a huge sale. Our store, Ben, you got to go to our store, bud. Oh you no, did. I did. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah. Actually, Beautiful. you know what? Guess what? Because I did go to the store. I got two books, and then my pull list, which was uh, X Men number nine and Sonic twenty seven. I also they also had back issues of um, Fantastic Four X Men. So I got number issue three, which I've been. Did you get for a dollar? No, no. I got, I think I got that one for full price. I believe. Okay. But, that's not the point. The point is, I got two books that I've been wanting to get for the longest time, and they were one was fifty percent off, the other was sixty percent off, and I will show you those books right now if that's okay. Please. First, yeah, first one, Wonder Woman Earth One Volume Two, the hardcover by uh, Grant Morrison. I'm I'm very picky because once I start a collection of hardcovers, I gotta get the hardcovers. So I was able to get this finally. And Green Brandon, Lantern, Green Lantern Earth One Volume Two was just solicited. Hell yeah! Excellent. 
Nice. Because yeah. I love the Earth One books. I think they're fantastic. Uh, also, BT Dubs, Future Book Club, by the way. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, Brandon. As much as uh, Marvel cared about the Ultimate Universe. What? Yeah. I wish they cared about Earth One as much as Marvel cared about Ultimate. Ultimate. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> they come out just sporadically. They announced they announced Flash and Aquaman years ago, and they never came out. I know. I know. What the damn hell? But uh, also, I got this, uh, Brandon, because you kept talking about it, and I've been wanting to get this at a con, and I and obviously all the cons got canceled. But I got Immortal Hulk Volume One. Yes, it's a good book. Uh, Looks uh, awesome. Another future book club. This what they. This was sixty percent off, so I had to get it, and I'm really looking forward to it. To to reading this and probably getting the other Immortal Hulk books, so I'm really uh, excited. I was yeah, so. Go ahead. No, I was I was just excited to go to the comic book store. Also, I just posted on Instagram about my friend Inga, who I was on her podcast a while ago, Adults Talking Anime Plus. She also made me this really cool Marvel mask. Oh, that's dope, dude. Yeah, so I don't have to keep begging Fanny to give me uh, her spare mask that her work gives her. And uh, did you guys want me to go into my week? Were you guys done? Uh, so we also like got a shit ton of books. Um, we could spend the whole episode showing you how much. Uh, I'll just suffice it to say that my total was what would have been 430 came down to 175. Holy yeah. shit! So yeah, what mine was over 100. And I spent like I spent like 60. A lot of good stuff. Yeah. I only spent thirty bucks for my poll. See, the the thing you got to do is is you, you look at the, the small books, which are nice, but you really got to look at the big ass books because when you have an omnibus that is eighty dollars uh, yeah. and you get it for sixty percent off, that thing is like thirty five bucks. Like, yeah, thirty five bucks right there. Cover of uh, X Men Mutant Genesis two which is the first seven issues of the nineteen ninety run. Yep, uh, I got that for sixty percent off. I got all of the Marvel X-Men noir stuff for like 15 bucks. And that's like 15 issues. That's great. It's a huge book. Yeah. yeah. Com- comic books are, are, are quote unquote kind of back. You know, the books that I want to read are only digital, unfortunately, but uh, that's. We, picked up, well, we both picked up our new issue was the Jimmy Olsen. Yep. The new Jimmy. Only Olsen. Jimmy. And I the, also yeah. picked up the first issue of the Star Wars Clone Wars Tales. Uh, mm-hmm. The new comic that just started because uh, I'm in a Clone Wars vibe and I want to see see it. I feel you. <laughs> um, yeah. Outside of that, uh, we did. We've all done a lot of online gaming with each other. Oh uh, yeah, this yeah. Past week. Um, and uh, oh yeah, one more thing. Uh, Megan's still going through Community. We're now in season five. Uh, I forgot that season four is actually pretty good. I, I that's when I stopped watching. Uh, on a whole, I think season four is actually pretty good, and season. Oh. Season five's not bad either. Um, Which is not not as strong as seasons one through three, but like four feels just as much in step with seasons one and three as anything. Season four, I think season four has really good episodes in it, but I I think as a a whole, it lost something. Um, That said, the episode that introduces Brie Larson is incredible, and I love that episode dearly. Because yeah. Brie Larson is introduced as Abed's potential love interest, and she will act, she actually comes back in season five. And she's mm-hmm. the only thing that carries over from four to five, and I thought, and I think she's just delightful in the role. Is four the season that Dan Harmon got fired? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just stopped watching because I I refused. Season <laughs> five, season good. five has the has the Troy departing two parter, uh, yeah. which are incredible episodes uh, just yeah. on their own. They did the I watched the community special read 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 along. A read through yeah. of that of that episode, the first episode that you know when Pierce dies, and it's 
really fucking funny. Excuse yeah. me for my language. Um, in the episode, it's Walton Goggins. Yeah. reading the- Yeah, so yeah. here's the thing. So I, I haven't watched Community. Uh, I only watched season three or one through three, right? So I didn't, the table read, I thought that was a new episode that they were doing just for fun. I didn't know it was an episode from season four. So when they're talking about Mr. Stone and all this stuff, I come downstairs and I hear on their TV that episode. And I'm like, what the, f- this is not a real episode. How are you guys watching this? And then he <laughs> tells me, no, they just read an old script. I thought it was a new episode. So I had a crazy trip for like five minutes. <laughs> they filmed an episode since I watched that table read. And I'm like, what is happening? I'm like, no, I'm just stupid. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, uh, I, I, I am coming to appreciate later seasons more further away from it, even though Dan Harmon isn't there. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the fourth season, it still feels like good community. Like I, I, I will acknowledge that like seasons, honestly, in my opinion, more like the later part of season one and seasons two and three are like the soul of the show. Yes. But that doesn't mean like early season one isn't good or season four isn't good or season five. Yeah. Although season five, is that when Harmon comes back? Yeah. Yeah. It feels tonally very different all of a sudden. Like Harmon brought a different kind of mentality to it for sure. That's why that, season five's first episode is called Repilot. Literally, I know, I know, but like literally the staging and framing of things changes and the lighting changes. Is, is season six the Yahoo one? Yes. I wonder if him coming back, there was like stipulations or something where he like, he still couldn't be the reason he got fired. You know what I mean? So like, sure. so like he had to tone it down or something maybe? Because I haven't watched it, so I don't know. I mean, but it, it, these are things where like, what I mean is that there was a decision like his, his, uh, like the overall eye for the show changed. Like, could it be a budget like, thing? I don't think so. No, I think that they because season four was on just as much of a budget constraint as season five was. Okay. Uh, they they were their episode order was cut down and everything, but it's still like if you look at it, it looks it looks visually like it's just as much in step with the original seasons as long as it's not one of the episodes where they're parodying something where they like totally change the the film style to match that yeah mm-hmm. it, the standard community style stays the same but when you reach season five the lighting shifts the frame is wider on people rather than staying as close to them as it used to um it just shows the rooms differently it's it's interesting i wonder that could that could be like a behind the scenes production thing that we just don't know about yeah. maybe interesting. i i was watching i watched the read through of the season five episode and watching it and watching all that the cast back together with the exception of chevy chase like i didn't realize how important community was for me yeah and Pedro Pascal, for I don't know if he read the script beforehand because he was hysterical by the end of it. <laughs> and it was really funny. But that show was so influential to me at just such a seminal age. It's crazy how important that show is to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would just say, like, if you're a fan of community or if you're a fan of community who stepped out before the last seasons, whether that's season six or whatever, um, go back. Yeah. Because it's worth going through. You know, like it's worth watching. It's not a, it's not a drain. It's not a slog. You're not watching Inhumans. Uh, you'll enjoy your time. It's, yeah. it's not, it's not 100% the same thing. But it's like it's, it's still good. It's, it's still quality. It is not like uh, the way people talk about the last seasons of The Office. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Ben, did you want to go next? Yeah, of course. Um, oh, I did. I didn't do a whole lot this week, but um, unfortunately, I wasn't able to watch um, End of Evangelion. Because something else dropped on Netflix last Friday, and I started getting Fanny through it, and it's awesome. Because Fanny is officially watching Avatar The Last Airbender, and she enjoys it. 
good. I, I came home from work. Like, we watched the first few episodes, I want to say last Sunday. And then a few days later, I come home from work, and she's all the way through season one. Like, I come in, and she's at the Northern Air Temple. She binged the entire first season by herself. Good. And now, and now we're watching it together, and it's it's great. I've, I'm re, I'm getting back into Avatar: Last Airbender. I'm absolutely loving the show. I'm, think, I'm thinking about doing it. Yeah, I'm, she's. Uh, I'm, waiting, I'm waiting for Megan to be ready. Yeah, she's like one of the cool things that I never noticed when I was a kid is like when you first meet Azula, May, and Ty Lee. Like Fanny's talking, like we're talking about those characters, and Fanny's like, you know, that's really cool. There's like a lot of badass women in this show. I'm like, there are. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of badass. You got Katara, Toph, Azula, Tylee, uh, May. They're... Azula's the the evil sister, right? Yeah, Azula's the evil sister. Oh yeah, I I, I, mean, I know where I get my type name? from. What's her name? Sokka's girlfriend. What's her name? Suki. Suki. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Suki six, and if you want to include Yui when she becomes the Moon Spirit. So the... Kiyoshi. Yeah, the Warriors of the Kiyoshi. Yeah. I am. Um, so Avatar: The Last Airbender being on Netflix has brought up a lot of discourse uh, on uh, about Legend of Korra. Interestingly yeah, enough, on, on Twitter, I and, actually uh, saw that, and I'm mad because there's. Sorry to cut you off, Brandon, because I did see someone tweet about how we should have gotten four seasons of Last Airbender, and then I think it was Netflix Ireland, or it was another, or some other dude used, or some other Netflix thing. I don't know what it was. It wasn't. I don't know if it was official or not. But someone did like the clapping emoji saying Aang's story was told. And in a sense, the guy's right. The Aang story was told. It gets yeah. continued in the comic books, thank goodness. But at the same time, I'm fine with list to well, watching I, the new Avatar. I never saw I never saw that that discourse, but it really reminded me like I only saw Legend of Korra once. I saw mm-hmm. it when it aired, and I yeah. never went back. Um, even though I own all four of those books, all four of those seasons. Mm-hmm. I was intended to go back, but I just never really liked it as much as I liked Avatar The Last Airbender. It's good. But I never liked it as much as The Last Airbender. And so many people are talking about like how they much prefer it or it's or or it's just as good, blah, blah, blah. And so much discourse around it. And I've been thinking about going back through Legend of Korra just to get it another shot. I, I, I definitely would. At all. So Really? I don't know that. I, I would definitely yeah. go through. Don't, don't get me wrong. It did take a while for me to get through, or not to get through Korra, but for me to adjust to Legend of Korra, especially because of the time skip. The jump in technology, the, uh, seeing a new world post war, post hundred year war, but at the same time, it was like that childlike wonder of I'm sitting in the I'm watching the a world that I grew up loving. I'm watching a world that had well, a I think it has, story. I think it has more to do with the fact that you you and I Ben have similar sensibilities when it comes to these type of things. Um, where Avatar: The Last Airbender fit more of our sensibility of like the feudal uh-huh. Japan type thing. The, the, oh yeah. The, and whereas Korra jumped 70 years in the future, but the technology mm-hmm. jumped 100 years into the future. Yeah. So it became much more modern, much more of a modern. It's, like, it 19, kind of, it's like 1920s Industrial Revolution era. Industrial yeah. Revolution. I wouldn't say it's modern. And it kind of, and it kind of lost that, it kind of lost what made The Last Airbender appealing to us. And perhaps that's why we didn't connect to it at, at first. But I do think it's worth another shot to try and see, mm-hmm. having that distance now, seeing what, yeah. we, what we make of it now. And I mean, world aside, the characters of like of Korra and her and essentially Korra's team, they all have great dynamics with each other. Yeah, like Asami. Cool. Asami, I love I love Asami. She's one of my favorite characters. And cool I, yeah, I forget the brothers' names, but the Firebender. I think it's oh, crap. What's his name? I remember one is Bolin. I don't remember the Bolin. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the Earthbender brother. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I'm getting Fanny. We're in the middle of Earth Two. Well, we met Toph. You're uh, in the middle of Earth Two. <laughs> Uh, oh God, no! We're in the middle. So of book, we're middle of the second season, book two, Earth. Um, Aang just learned how to earthbend. 
So we're we're in that's where we are in the show right now. Nice. So Fanny, nice. so we're watching After Our Last Dad Better and other things. I I didn't watch Evangelion because every time I came home, Fanny's like, "You want to watch Avatar?" I'm like, "Yes." The answer is always yes. There's always there's only enough time for one anime at a time. But anyways, I'm I'm just glad to be rewatching Last Dad Better. I absolutely love that's that good show. show. I'm um, thinking about it, yeah. Video game wise, uh, my brother, uh, praise the sun, my bros, because my brother and I we beat the base game Dark Souls three yesterday. You beat the Lord of Cinder. We not only just Dolores Cinder, we kicked the Nameless King's ass. Dude, the Nameless King is maybe the coolest boss in video games. He is awesome, and also, we whooped his ass. He, uh, isn't he, um, I'm pretty sure he's optional too, right? He is. He's yeah, an optional he's boss. All right, so going through the Arch, Drag- the Arch Dragon Peak, which is one of my favorite levels in the whole game, um, we get, because you had, uh, Brad, you would probably have a heart attack because a lot of the monsters you have to fight in that area are snake people. Oh, no, thank you. Like, oh, yeah. they spit fire at you, and there's this one Cobra priestess who summoned no, thank you. Yeah, yeah. This exactly. is my nightmare. It, exactly, it is. <laughs> um, so getting to the Arch Dragon's Peak was phenomenal, but then once we got to the Nameless King, because, I mean, I would watch stuff online. It's like, not, I wasn't looking for it, but I knew of the Nameless King and how people would hate the Nameless King as much as they hated the dance or the Boreal Valley. And mm-hmm. I'm talking to my brother. Part. Yeah. I'm talking to my brother about it because he played the game when it first came out in 2016 and did it solo. And then he went back and did co-op again. And this is my first time playing through it, but we're doing co-op. And I'm like freaking out. I'm thinking, oh man, Nameless King, I'm going to hate this. It's going to suck because you have to fight his dragon and then you have to fight the Nameless King himself. He's and a dude, Brandon, who rides a dragon and he has a lightning spear like Zeus. Yeah. It's, it's truly it's so cool. <laughs> it's so freaking cool. And it on uh, my first time fighting him on my game because I had my brother come in on my game, we beat him in one try. Nice. And the Jeez, first, and, and then when we got into my brother's game, um, I died first, and then he died. So we restarted the fight over again, and we just whooped him. My brother only used one Estus when we fought the neighbor's king. I don't think I ever beat him because I didn't try multiplayer. I didn't oh. beat him because he. Yeah. After the, the 50th attempt, I'm like, nah, I'll pass. I mean, don't get me wrong. My brother and I, we grind. We didn't necessarily grind. We explored. We treasure hunted. We did all this stuff. We fought so many monsters. Uh, we took. We just got. We up. We tried to um, power ourselves up. And then when we got to the Lord of Cinder, he. It felt like he was a trump. I don't know. Just because my brother and I, uh, like my brother said, we got good. Yeah, it's there's two of them good. too. Yeah. That's and why. both of them, both both the uh, um phases of the lord of cinder kicked his ass just whooped his butt and uh, it's like damn i mean this game is great i did i actually get good i, I don't know i was like i was like i was like uh oh god what's the word i was doubting myself if i actually was really really, yeah. really good or if i just got lucky so here's the thing like obviously dark souls is a single player game you can beat a single player um uh but it's still hard even if yeah. you have two people the final boss is still the final boss like mm-hmm. it's it's a hundred it's a hundred percent easier because there's two of you but that doesn't mean it's still not difficult but even then when you have other people <laughs> fighting but also uh ryan when you have other people fighting the boss gets stronger though oh good see that's so that's, that's what happens in co-op and co-op i mean yeah you have another person whacking away now but he gets more but the boss gets more health good that's what it should be I mean, you did, that when you, you did that when you went to fight the Valkyrie in God of War. Like, what? That's how you play games. You level yeah. up to the max, and then you oh, go yeah. beat the last well, boss. The, the Valkyrie in God of War, that took me quite a few tries. Also, God of War, I feel, is like a bit of a, a different play style. Mm-hmm. But, I, of course, with the final Valkyrie, 
that was a that was like that felt good to finally. No, but that. I'm not talking about the playstyle. I'm talking oh, about yeah, yeah, how yeah. you play games. You yeah, you've told yeah. us that you level up mm-hmm. as much as you can, and then you go oh, fight yeah. the last boss. Yeah, yeah. I try to be as OP as humanly possible. Yeah. Um, yeah anything else? Let's, uh, online gamed with uh, those guys over there. It was fun. We played some Overwatch last night, which was really fun. Um, I got my comic oh, books crap. yesterday. Like you guys know, I got my comic books yesterday, which was nice. And yeah, um, that's pretty much all I did. But watch Avatar, play video games, and I bought my books. So I had a I had a light week because I was traveling, but um, and my TV broke. Um, so that sucks. Press um, F to pay respects. Yeah, seriously. So I um, so I didn't get to do a whole lot, but I did end up beating Uncharted Four. Nice. I put a lot of effort into that game to try to to beat it. Just before my TV crapped out on me, I beat it. Do you see why I don't want there to be a now to be a five, Brandon? Now that the four's ended, when the way four ends, I would actually like there to be a five, but not with Nathan Drake. Okay, I don't. I, I just want to see. I think you should just let it be for a long time. I think let so too. I don't, I'm not saying like next year, and I'm not even saying like you know, Naughty Dog, give me a five or I'll riot. No, if they if they have an idea for a five without Nathan Drake with the character, I think you know who I'm talking of. Yeah. Um. Then. I would like to see that. I, I would be into that. I, I would not be opposed to that idea. Yeah. Um, but it's a really beautiful ending to Nathan Drake's story, um, mm-hmm. the way it ended. And I'm really glad I didn't, I had, I was told how it ended, but apparently I was lied to <laughs> because the ending that I was told was not the ending of the game. Good then. No so spoilers. I was, yeah, so no spoilers, thank goodness. So as as I'm doing the last mission on the on the, on the the ship, I'm just like, oh no, this is it. This is what happens. This and then, and then it doesn't happen. I was so happy. It's such a great, great game. Um, I think it's my favorite of the four, mm-hmm. personally. Um, right up there with two. You know, two is really great. Um, but I really, I really enjoyed those games. I really like adventure stories, and I don't think there's a lot of them in mainstream media. So I was really happy to play through them. I'm going to play Tomb Raider next because I want more adventure stories. Oh, have you not played any of the new Tomb Raiders? No, I haven't. I would argue. Um, some of those Tomb Raiders are better than some of the Uncharted games. Yeah, uh, I will 100% say that the first Tomb Raider that I've played, that new... Of the oh, the first one's better than the first Uncharted. Better than, leagues. Yes, leagues. leagues better than the first Uncharted. It, even in like a similar setup, in a sense. Yes. Yeah. Uh, much, much better. The first Tomb Raider... The Tomb Raider is Batman, Brandon. Yeah. It's, it, they play like Batman. Like it's open world. You get more abilities, unlock more places. It's it's Arkham Asylum, but with a lady. It's awesome. Nice. Yeah, I have I really love adventure stories, and I have the first Tomb Raider on the Xbox on the Xbox One. So I'm going to cool. go through it because I, I have a hunger for adventure tales. You're going to um, you're going to really like it. I think it's great. I, I'm I'm excited. Um, I also watched Justice League versus the Fatal Five, mm-hmm. uh, which is a, which is one of the DC animated films, but it is actually a follow up to Justice League Unlimited. So it brings back George Newbern, Kevin Conroy, and Susan Eisenberg as Wonder Woman, uh, Batman, and Superman, nice. uh, while also introducing Jessica Cruz as Green Lantern. Oh yeah, um, yeah, and uh, and introduce the Legion into that continuity, the Legion of Superheroes. Um, watch that one. Basically, the Fatal Five are a Legion villain, are Legion villains that come to the past to fight the Justice League and try to take Jessica Cruz. I really enjoyed it. It's a really good uh, follow up to Justice League. There's a lot of musical cues that gave me like, there we go. There's a Superman theme I like. Um, and hearing those voices together for the first time in, in years was great. And hopefully, it leads to more of a DC animated reunion movie with, that brings back everyone. Um, Cause there wasn't, John Stewart wasn't in it or Hawkgirl wasn't in it. They get mentions, but they're not in it. 
but I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really interesting film. I know uh, Susan, what's her name? Eisenberg? Eisenberg. Eisenberg. Um, she she uh, uh, put the, the Twitter world aflame for like a minute because she posted a picture of the Justice League saying, Justice League 2020, everyone. Because yeah. it's like twentieth anniversary, and she she was just saying I want it to happen, but she made people think that an anniversary was happening. Uh, and for like five minutes, everyone was really excited. I was like, yeah. "Oh, Susan, you got to choose your words right." She yeah, is, she spearheads that a lot. Because I remember yeah. when we did our interview with Andrea Romano, like Susan Eisenberg, she's the one who like spearheads, like let's try to get this ready, let's get this ball rolling. She wants the band back together. She wants what a Wonder Woman animated show. I I would watch it. I love um, I love Susan Eisenberg as Wonder Woman. I, I really liked I really liked how. Uh, how Bruce Tim uh, created Jessica Cruz for the DC animated universe um, as the newest Green Lantern. However, it does create there's a slight continuity error because Hal Jordan is mentioned as one of the Green Lanterns in the DC animated universe, and he's not. Kyle Rayner was the first Green Lantern, and then it was John Stewart. Uh, so Maybe I thought that was kind of funny. Like, uh, in the in the in the off screen, he got picked, and then he showed up later. Yeah, I sure. remember there was an episode of Justice League Unlimited where it was like. Uh, parallel universes were they were going through they were i know the episode you're talking about they're going through yeah. time and time's being messed up and john stewart turns into hell jordan yeah 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 all yeah. oh, right yeah 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 that yeah, and beyond crosses over in that episode with a future uh, static shock it's really good uh-huh. doesn't the legion of superheroes also get introduced because supergirl goes to the future and starts dating bringing act five? Oh, i think you're right but yeah. i'm not 100 percent sure because I, I, I remember there's a specific scene of superman turning around I was like so who's this boy she likes so much wow good good call Oh, I, either either way, the, the fact that the Legion's back in the DC animated universe in a, in a way makes me happy. The fact that Justice League vs. Fail Five is good makes me happy. Same. I just, highly recommend checking it out. Um, where did you did you rent it? I bought it a couple of years ago. Oh, okay, nice. cool. Uh, it's on my movies anywhere though. If you guys mm-hmm. want to check it out, there you go. I'm sure it's somewhere on the seven streaming services I own. Right? Oh, maybe exactly. maybe on HBO Max this weekend. Probably. Yeah, I actually think that one is on DC Universe last I remember checking. Okay, so cool. Um, then I uh, also oh, caught up. Sorry, go on. Uh, no worries. I also caught up on all of my comic books. Uh, I finally finished every single comic. I not not the trades. That's a whole other endeavor I have to go through. But mm-hmm. uh, all the single issue comics. Uh, I read the last three issues of Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, the last two issues of X Men, uh, the last issue of Excalibur and X Force, uh, the last issue of immortal hulk which was its landmark 750th issue where he fights zemnu uh and darius agar am i right that, that dario. right dario agar uh it is so cool and i really hope that is christian bale yeah, they, and Thor um, Love Thunder. uh al ewing has repurposed um uh, uh that villain for to be a hulk villain now and i'm like that's cool he's been a thor villain for decades just throw him in the hulk why not Make yeah. him make the Minotaur man fight the Hulk. Who cares? Well, because nope. now because now Hulk wants to take down the Roxxon Corporation, and he's the leader of the Roxxon Corporation. So yep. they so they clash. And Zemnu was doing this thing like, "Oh, remember me? I'm actually the Hulk, and mm-hmm. you remember me from my, from children's stories." And now blah blah blah. But he's got like this me, this weird like metal uh, mouth in his in his body because the last time like, he Reinhardt? He, oh. the last time he was he was he was beaten by someone he like was really mangled so he's got like robotic parts now and he's got this like like swirling evil mouth that turns people into like creepy zemnu monsters it's awesome that book is so cool i cannot Um, wait to start reading immortal hulk i mean obviously one of the reasons why i picked you up is because brandon you i I mean this in the nicest way possible because you would not shut up about it 
Because no, it's really good. Yeah, her no. books need a push because yeah, this and, is a Hulk book on like any other. And I mean, because I remember when we talked when like when I did Hulk Gray for my book club a while ago, how the Hulk is one of those heroes that I don't necessarily gravitate towards because it's like it's the Hulk. What's so special about the Hulk? He gets angry. He gets super strong. Big deal. But just after hearing Brandon talk about Immortal Hulk, I'm like, no, I need to give this a shot. This latest, I, this I latest need issue. To give it a read. This latest issue, the Devil Hulk, who is the current Hulk in control, uh, has been trapped away by Zemnu in Bruce Banner's mind. And Bruce Banner thinks that he's Robert Banner, not Bruce Banner. Oh. And so Hulk, the original Savage Hulk, who's who's like, no, I'm Hulk, I'm Hulk. I don't understand why people keep calling this thing Hulk. Uh, teams up with Planet Hulk Hulk inside of inside of Bruce Banner's mind to try to get to try to get Savage Hulk free so that he can he can destroy Zemnu. It's awesome. <laughs> It's, it's like legion inside the hulk's mind it's, yeah and i mean freak uh um uh betty ross is this weird harpy thing and uh yeah. rick jones is this evil is this weird looking zombie with great with glowing green eyes it's awesome that looks awesome well um, i can't wait to start reading it but not only did i catch up on all those comics i went to the comic book store and i bought new comics guys new comics are here we all did that uh but birthright was the only comic that was available to me, that was the only book that came out as far as uh, new issues. Uh, Birthright's almost done. I'm really excited. I really like that book. Been following it since the beginning. Um, and then Green Lantern by Jeff Johns, book one, uh, book three, sorry, uh, which goes up to the Sinestro Core War. And then Superman Smash of the Clan finally ha- had its trade released. So I'm, I picked that up. So check that out. Excellent. Yeah, that's all. I'm, I'm interested in reading Superman Smash of the Clan. I would like yeah. to read that. I've heard nothing but like it, it's great things. Like it's just so fun. Yeah. Me too. I have, I have the three little books that came out. Brandon, it, it, was one of the X Men issues you read where Apocalypse fought um, Melody Guthrie to get her powers back? Did you? Is that the issue you read? I read that. I read that before the shutdown. Oh, okay, uh, the you. last two issues I read were the Brood, with the Brood King. Oh, where, where little Brew has the King egg. Yeah. Mm, juicy. Yeah. Is but, that uh, Excalibur? No, that's in uh, that's in X Men. And then Excalibur, oh, okay. the latest issue of Excalibur I read was um, Starlight Citadel. Yeah. yeah. That's the issue nine, right? Because that's the yeah. last issue of Excalibur I have, is issue nine. Yeah, that's the last issue that came out. Starlight Citadel is the nexus of all reality. Um, okay, shall we get into our news for Bread and Butter? Sure. Here's Do it. Bread okay. and butter. And here's your bread. And your butter. Here's your bread and butter. Hey, okay, not in my ear, thank you. So, we got a lot of sad news to get through before we get to some good news uh sadly um a couple of deaths happened a couple of significant deaths happened this week uh, i wanted to mention and bring up uh charles lippincott passed away this week if you guys don't know who that is uh, he passed away at a heart attack at the age of 80 if you don't know who he is uh he is basically the reason why star wars was merchandised you know he was he was george lucas publicist essentially and he went to marvel and he went to toys and and kenner and said hey uh this is going to be popular. This is going to be big. Do you want this property? Boy, was he right. And what, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He is the reason why Marvel Comics published Star Wars books. He's the reason why Kenner had Star Wars toys um, without him. And George Lucas even posted this on, on social media. He's like, without him, Star Wars would not be the thing, the, the massive juggernaut it is today. Uh, so I, I wanted to, just to say, you know, thank you. Thank great, you. Great job. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, this one's kind of sad. If you know who this is, Ken Nightingale who is most affectionately known as Pink, Pink Shorts Boom Guy from the set of Star Wars A New Hope. Uh, he is the guy oh. in 
yeah, in the Tunisian yeah. desert who is holding the boom and he's got no shirt and pink shorts. Yep. Um, and he talked about how, you know, all that. He died this week at the age of 92. No cause of death was revealed. He worked on all sorts of movies, all the Star Wars films and a lot of stuff for Spielberg. So he's not just pink shorts boom guy, but he's most affectionately known as that. But 92 years old, he looked a full life. Yeah, he's strangely going to be like famous though, because like I immediately knew what you were talking about. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ken Osmond died this week, also at the age of seventy-six. Uh, he played the character Eddie Haskell in Leave It to Beaver. Mm. Um, he was typecast in Leave It to Beaver, so he reprised that role a few times before retiring from acting altogether and becoming a cop. Oh. Um, and then he retired from the force and did one more movie, and then passed away this year. Um, but yeah, so uh, that you know, good talent lost to the ages. And then this one, this one is tragic, and I, I felt this was this was necessary to bring up. This um, Hannah Kimura uh, killed herself this week. Yeah. If you don't know who that is, she's a Japanese pro wrestler. Uh, she was also on a reality TV show on Netflix and in Japan, um, very popular. She died. Yeah, she killed herself. Yeah, yeah. What is it? Terrace House. It's very, Terrace very House, popular. Yeah. Very popular. Yeah. She was 22 years old, and she was being cyberbullied, and she took her life because of it. And I think it's important to bring that up specifically because cyberbullying is a very real thing. Many people experience it every day. And uh, it is tragic that that sort of thing uh, has taken this life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the, unfortunately, the more popular you get, uh, the more people just hate you for no reason. Yeah. And the internet is a very easy way to just uh, uh, release anger, uh, uh, whether you mean it or not. Uh, but words do have meaning and they do hurt people. And uh, we're not famous, right? But we have one bad Twitter post and it puts us in a bad mood. Imagine getting millions of bad tweets yeah. like entire life. Like Emma, I, it, Emma it, Five, it sucks. Yeah, Emma Five posted like having a thick, thick skin shouldn't be a prerequisite to being in the entertainment industry. Exactly. Like yeah, right. you like what's so wrong? What's so hard about being just a nice person? Yeah. Um, you know, you look at all these sort of things, and we'll get into it with a news item later, but you know, I get cyberbullied because I say something that someone just disagrees with, and it's so easy to just be behind your screen and not and just release something. But these words mm -hmm. have effect, have an effect on people. Uh they have power over people. Mm -hmm. And just because you don't think that's true doesn't mean it's not. Yeah. I mean it, it's true sticks and stones break my words but wasn't ever hurt me but still pe things people say just for no volition especially on twitter instagram facebook whatever whatever social media platform you choose and you decide to attack something for a certain thing they say is just why would you do that it, yeah, it, yeah. of course it boggles my mind but some people i mean you obviously have people who ha who see the fun in it there or there is no fun but they find fun in it for some reason there are people who out there who Sometimes you might actually get debates. Sometimes you actually might change people's minds. But for people who just attack voliciously for voliciously's sake is just, I absolutely despise it. Uh, sorry, Ben, you opened it up with uh, stick. it's true that sticks and stones break my bones, but words will not. That's not true at all. That's, true that's not true. No. Verbaling is proven that's not I can, true. I know words from experience that words have hurt all of us. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's uh, very easy, actually. Uh, yeah. uh, that, that's, that phrase needs to die. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, uh, but uh, oh no, I, I completely agree with you, Sparks. It does need to die. It's unfortunate that there's no cure for um, cyberbullying 
on either end because I think it's like obviously there are the people who are just assholes, but there's also mm-hmm. people who, like the reason they cyberbully is also because of you know their own complex issues yeah. and where they put you know there's no there's no outlet in either court on either side and uh, it's it, it's a shame because like I'm not trying to propose anything I'm just saying like it, it sucks that there's really no clear answer on how to fix that kind of problem. Um, you know, I, I was, the, the genie is out of the bottle on, on social media. You can't put it back in yeah. and there's really no way to cap off on this kind of stuff. You just don't, just, just don't, sucks. just don't use it, but that's yeah. kind of hard to do in yeah. modern. It is. I, uh, you know, I take a lot of these things really hard because I, I was bullied my entire life. Yeah. Uh, I was bullied my whole life and even up to through college and my first job. Uh, and then it became cyberbullying. And so when something like this happens, like I take it really harsh. I take it really hard because I I feel like, you know, someone can tell me the, just the wrong thing and what's going to stop. What I am no different than this 22 year old girl. No. What's, what is it going to take for someone to say to me that's going yeah. to make me do this? Like that's, that's, that's the problem. Cause uh, again, when there's, when there's an, an a minute, when you're anonymous on the internet, I can't use that. I never said it. Anonymous. When you're anonymous, when you're a C anemone on the internet, you can throw any word you want out there, and it doesn't come back to you in any negative way, right? You're John JonTron969 on Twitter. You could say anything, and it's never going to affect you. Uh, there's a lot of people like that and they just don't think about it. A lot of the times when people are being mean, they don't think about how it actually hurts someone. Like they watch a bad movie, like, wow, you're a piece of shit in that movie. They don't think that that's actually being mean. That's just like talking about a movie, but people are people. Everyone has a soul. Everyone hurts. And it's just, eventually, uh, we all got to realize you don't have, you don't always have to just say it. You don't have to send that tweet. And the immortal immortal words of Ben Magnet. Don't Don't be be a a dick. dick. Ben, do Um, the thing. Don't be a dick. No, do the. There you go. I do, I do think it's very important to just say I know it's hard, but uh, in those situations, like Brandon's a great example in my opinion, um, because Brandon does get into the discourse on Twitter. That if it were ever so overwhelming, you remove yourself from Twitter. You just yeah. you step away and you turn to the support system that you have that are real people that you know. Yeah. Um, because social media is is in many ways an illusion. Mm-hmm. Um, things on there are false. And that's that's hard. I'm not saying it's easy to do that, but when you, when you feel yourself push that point, recognize when you gotta maybe distance yourself away. I know Megan uh, because of everything that's been happening around the quarantine and just how much debate and discussion and news comes out about the coronavirus. She removed herself from Twitter. She removed herself from Facebook. She removed herself from Instagram. Smart, smart. Uh, she just stepped <laughs> yeah. away from all of it. She's like, I don't want to see it. It's I, life is stressful enough mm-hmm. for now. Um, and I, I highly recommend that anytime you feel like something is is hindering you more than benefiting you, take it away. Definitely. It's and true. One thing I want to mention, Brandon, I don't know where this is. I haven't read up on it, but this is something I heard. So once again, take everything I say with a grain of salt. But I don't know if it's going to be a federal law or some states are implementing this. They're implementing new cyberbullying laws where if – um, say a cyberbully tells someone to kill himself and the victim does go through with it, that becomes a, a manslaughter charge. That's that's a very that's a whole nother that's that's something I remember reading a while ago. Once again, it could be completely false, just that's something I heard. But I don't know if that will help. I don't know what's gonna go on, but um because cyberbullying doesn't need to stop, but your but as Spark said, genie's out of the bottle. We don't have a, a right way to fix this. Yeah, as that's, of now. 
that's a complex uh, the, the problem with uh, thought on a yeah, yeah. the problem with situation. that is it that directly goes against free speech and yes uh, you shouldn't tell someone to kill yourself but that's right and, and that, those, again those are just you're just saying kill yourself that doesn't and mean that's, and that's just uh hi brandon and that's okay. only covering like that specific phrase so like yeah. what happened <laughs> i don't know you were just gone and then you were back yeah <laughs> okay anyway uh let's move on from that because we could yeah that's a whole other thing yes yeah yeah yes i think we've said enough on yeah that it's very sad what happened to her mm -hmm. um I wish that that didn't happen, but it does. Um, okay, hopefully this that doesn't happen again. We'll find out. Yeah. Um, okay. Good loved ones, people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so uh, this is the news that shocked the world. This section here, um, and Let's yes, talk we're going bullying more. <laughs> uh, now, first, we're going to talk about Batwoman. That's still kind of talking about cyberbullying. <laughs> True. Ruby um, Rose was was bullied over Batwoman. <laughs> That's true. Which I think, at least on some level, contributes to her reasons for maybe wanting to step away from it. Yeah. So, so Ruby Rose has left the has left the role of Batwoman, uh, being the first time in a, in the CW series that uh, a major actor has left that role. Um, and so it, it it does appear to be a mutual breakup. Nobody's quite said there's a lot of animosity. And more than anything, it just I think what's contributed to it um, is the fact that. You know, she wasn't quite used to the amount of work that she didn't need to do. And more than anything, I think the life-threatening injury that she sustained in the beginning of filming yes. had a lot to do with it. Yeah, I didn't know that. I, I, was, I was looking this up, and yeah, she had a serious injury that made it hard. Oh, no, yeah, I when we were doing the crisis, I mentioned that she had that yeah. tattoo that was right there uh, because of the stunt. Uh, I, just, I didn't realize how, how much that actually affected her, and like she was having problems all the time, like trying yeah. to do these stunts, working 12 hour days, doing her own stunts. and like Working 14 hour days. That's yeah. Uh, you, no one should have to push themselves. If it's it's difficult for, for feature actors to go to television here. And especially the CW, which shoots in Vancouver and Vancouver, which is very far yeah. away from where she lives yeah. um, with these 14 hour work days with these massive Rigorous. stunts. Like, yeah, they shooting, you know, days on ends for like hours on end. It's like, yeah, it's very different than than shooting a movie. Yeah. Uh, it might, it, it's strangely like the like the budget's smaller, but it might be even harder. <laughs> like yeah. that's kind of it's kind of shitty. <laughs> I am really really sad that um, she's leaving the role because I thought she was doing a great job. Uh, having watched most of the Batwoman season, I'm like three episodes behind on all of CW shows, but uh, uh, I thought she was doing a good job. Um, I really liked her for the part. Uh, other qualms with the show aside. Um, yeah. I'm really sad that we'll never get the Batwoman Supergirl crossover that was her and Melissa Benoist because I liked their chemistry so much. Yeah. And we'll never have that crossover episode. Yeah. And that's yeah. really sad to me. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I know that they're looking for another actress in the oh, LGBT cool. community and they should. Um, but it is a shame because I did really like her in the role. The little I saw of her, I only really saw, I, don't, I didn't see much, um, but I did, I thought she was a good fit for that role. And, and when, yeah. you know, when she was cast, I, I said like, that's perfect. Well, I think we yeah. all did. And um, I know you were saying to me, Sparks, uh, like she was really gung ho about being in the show. And like, it, it, it was I, a big deal. To it her. was a big deal. Yeah. And I, and I don't think she, she did this lightly. But like no, you have so your you have to put your health and safety above everything else. Like that sucks. Yeah. Like I, I think that you know you're absolutely right. She she loved doing the show. Uh, she was very uh, passionate about it, and I think and especially the fans. Like I I think this was not an easy decision to come to, and I and I think because of that, uh, Greg Berlanti and everyone who works at at Berlanti Pictures and CW was just like you know yeah we. 
we understand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Bummer, but uh, I'm hopeful for the future. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be okay. Cool if they do a multiverse thing if they can bring her back for like an episode. And I bet she would. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that'd be cool. Um. Okay. So the Snyder Cut's happening. Moving on. Um, <laughs> just, um, Cyberbullying! Um, no, uh, we should. Um, no, no, oh. I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. I really am, actually. Okay, it's been, so, a, it's been a very interesting week online. There's been, there's been uh, a lot of rumblings for a long time, but most recently, uh, this past week, there's been a lot. And it started to look very clear that something was happening with the Snyder Cut, the so-called Snyder Cut. Um, and I knew immediately what was happening when Zack Snyder said, uh, I'm doing the watch along for Man of Steel and I'm going to surprise you guys. Mm-hmm. I knew immediately what that meant, that the Snyder Cut was happening. Yep. So after Man of Steel was over, he said, I have one more thing to show you. And he pulled up, and he pulled up, put up the banner for HBO Max. Well, first he got Henry Cavill on the line because that's important. Oh, I talk- see that. Yeah, no, yeah, the live stream's actually, so I'm going to be, I'm going to be, I don't want the Snyder Cut, but I'm going to be the positive end of the spectrum on this because there are a lot of really happy people who don't deserve the hate that the other people who do deserve the hate are getting, right? Um, so so he brought Henry Cavill on. Henry Cavill is jacked. He's got a mustache. He's playing video games, right? He's in a tank top. And he's like, hey, guys, hey, it's me. I'm Superman. Hey, hey, Zach, why don't you show him that thing you were telling me about? And he's like, oh, should I show him that thing I was talking about? And he's like, yeah, show him that thing. And then then it's revealed. Mm-hmm. And then everyone's like, Ooh. And, and Ryan is absolutely correct. There are people that I love and respect. Mark Guggenheim is one of them. Um, people who 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 want this and who haven't been complete assholes about there it. There are a yeah. lot of people online that I follow. A lot of like, um, there's a guy named Greg Miller. He's like super, he's like DC's biggest fan. Like he's a huge YouTube guy. Um, he used to work at IGN, but he's DC's biggest fanboy. And he has been the Snyder Cut apologist for, for years. And he's the nicest guy on the internet. He, there's no ill will in him. He just really wants to see the original version because he does like that version of Superman. That's fine. You can like that. Um, but he didn't get the version that he kind of was promised. So for people like that, I'm very happy that they, they're getting what they want. There are people yeah. who didn't get the movie they were promised, and that does suck. That does so, suck. So I want to be, I want to, and so that is absolutely true. And I want to be clear, I'm not, any any negative words I say about this, which there will yes. be many, are not directed towards them. Yes, I just want to, because I'm also going to be negative. I just want to get all the niceness out. Yeah, can I, I weigh in? Objectively, being objective, I have no problem with a Snyder cut of Justice League. Yes. I don't have an issue with it. Objectively, I think that the version we got in 2017 is a very studio hands-on, washed up, and then Whedon doing the best he can film. It doesn't feel like a Joss Whedon movie to me. I don't hold it to those standards. It has glimmers of things that I think are quality, and I also credit Whedon for them because they're very clearly him. Yeah. But then it's just a uh, it's it's very much a manufactured product and thing that a thing that has been messed with so much and I understand people being frustrated with that and in a world where no one had been pressing it other than Zack Snyder himself saying you know I really would like to release it one day we had all these things and it's just a shame because of how things fell out things related to my daughter made it so I had to step away I've wanted to do this and then fans just being like that'd be really great man that'd be really cool if that had been the discourse. I'd be like, this is really nice. Yep. This is a really nice thing, even though I'm not a big fan of Snyder's vision of these characters. At least there might be like a more clear, succinct vision of that movie. That's cool, guys. Do we live in that world though? That's not the world we live in, though. <laughs> no. Um, not okay, even so, close. So let so let me say what the rest of the news is before we get into some of the discourse. Um, 
So it will it will stream exclusively on HBO Max starting in sometime in 2021. Warner Brothers is giving Zack Snyder 20 to 30 million dollars to finish it. Means CGI, editing, and reshoots. Now that's, that's a whole movie of money. Oh my god. Now I just want to say, Zach, I thought it was done and ready to go. What happened, buddy? Anyway, um, <laughs> um, the reshoots will not be with the main cast, however, because I'm sure none of them care anymore. And um, but we'll, you need more than 20 million dollars to get all of them back together. Yeah, I think what's going to happen. I think it's the Henry Lennox Martian Manhunter reveal. I think that's the the reshoot, the quote unquote reshoot. Um, Dark sides involved. We know Dark that. sides. Like, oh. look. This is the most bloated movie I've ever seen in my life. If, if all these reveals that he was posting on Vero are true, Ryan Choi, Dark Side, yeah. what is this movie? Um, um, there's either going to be, uh, I don't know why there's two different versions they haven't decided. It's either going to be a four hour movie or a six hour miniseries. miniseries. I would much rather see the six hour miniseries because if you're going to make it long and bloated, make it long and bloated, but actually make it make sense like a TV show. Don't make it a four hour yeah. movie. And so, so Zach was, so let's remember, let's go back to Zack Snyder's five part epic that he was working on since Man of Steel, quote unquote. Uh, Justice League was supposed to be part one of three. Uh, so is this going to be part one and we never get part two? It's like releasing Infinity War and then never seeing Endgame. Um, it, from, from everything that I've, that I've seen, what the movie might be, like it's going to open and end with Darkseid. Um, so it's, I think it is going to be, like an Avengers situation where it is going to be a self-contained thing. It's going to tease dark side at the end being like, I am the big threat, but we're never going to get it. So it's going to be like a big, it's going to be even a bigger cock tease than justice league was. Especially now that, um, the DC, I don't know what the hell is going on with the DC universe. Worlds I mean, of DC or worlds of DC, whatever it's called now. Like that, that's what that's called. Like we're getting what we're for. Awesome. We're getting Aquaman too. Eventually. Cool. We might get flash. <laughs> let's Shazam too. Warner Brothers Hold doesn't on. know what the frack to do with Henry Cavill and Superman, which continuously to piss me off. To the you very know what? Day. You know what? I'll say this: if the, if it, if this renews interest in Warner Brothers to bring back Henry Cavill as Superman, cool. Oh yeah. Okay. If that that happens, great. I'm all for it. I love Henry Cavill Superman. He loves to be Superman. I gotta say, um, I think Joss Whedon is the only reason that we like Superman in the Justice League movie because the original Superman in Zack Snyder's Justice League is the dark, depressing, taken over by Apocalypse version. I agree. So. I agree, but, I, but Henry Cavill has said that he never really got a chance to play Superman that he wanted. Mm -hmm. But it's and not so I think it. with someone else, no, but I think with someone else, I think with someone else, it would be really interesting to have a Man of Steel two and have Henry Cavill return because I, I would like to see him get a fair shot. I would absolutely love that too. I'm saying I don't think the Justice League Zack Snyder movie is going to drum up interest in a Superman movie because this Superman is going to be evil. Here's what here's what I'll say: if if it's received well, they'll just see that as a as a net positive of like, oh, we can now if if generally it's received well, they're like, we can we can put a Justice League movie back on the docket in the future. We can put Superman back up in the future. Yeah. We don't need to put Ben Affleck's Batman back up because we're replacing him mm -hmm. with Pattinson. But everything else we can put back into circulation. Yeah. We've, yeah. we've cleaned up our mess. It, it would yeah. be the idea if it's received well. Now let's talk a bit about, let's talk a bit about why I think we're all kind of in agreement that this is a bad idea. Um. The fact is, for two and a half years, there has been an insufferable amount of cyberbullying related it to Zack Snyder's name and this film. And Warner Brothers doing that has sent a very clear message that says, okay, keep doing that because you'll get what you want. Yep. And it's that's, a bad, it's a that's bad what I don't like. This, I, 
I know this is, I don't know if this is the two sides of the same coin or, but this kind of reminds me of all the hate the Sonic the Hedgehog movie got, like when that first trailer came out. No, no, it's, no, it's 100% sure. the same. Yeah, it's because same. those people, like a bunch of, Sonic, I mean, don't get me wrong, I didn't like the design either, but I'm not yelling at the studio to go, go ahead and fix it. Other people did, and eventually they quote unquote fixed it. To be perfectly honest, the design is better, but that's besides the point. The point is, fans were outraged, and the studio listened to them and changed it. The fact that the Snyder Cut is we're getting the same thing is like, I don't know. This is a very slippery slope that I don't think we should be going down. Yeah, this is the same mistake that Disney made with the with the Rise of Skywalker on yeah. a much bigger level. Yeah. But it is a similar uh, mistake. I've already seen tweets uh, from from the bad Snyder Cut people who are like, like they have like a checklist and like, sweet, we got the Snyder Cut. Time to get the A or Cut next, guys. Let's do it. I'm like, oh man, they really just unopen. Like it's Pandora's box. It really is. Because yeah. now they got what they wanted after crying for years. So like, what's to stop them from just doing this for the rest of their lives about everything else? Exactly. It's not and like it's, Marvel movies have been perfect. Do you see me crying about an Iron and, Man two cut? Come on. And it's like this mentality. Uh, where it was owed to them. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That 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 thing right there and, is just what I, gets me. Like the fact that the snare the, when the news broke, it's like the snare cut will be released. I'm like, no, don't give them what they want. But and look, I don't I don't want to shit on Zack Snyder. I really don't. No. Um, oh, no. But but I have a really big problem and have had a problem with year with the years of how he's he has specifically fed that base. Yes. I mean, this hasn't been an act of him, like saying uh, what could have been. I wish very publicly saying, uh, uh, if circumstances had been different, what I wish had happened. He did it in a very sleazy kind of, hey, let me feed that little fire. Like here's because, a picture of Dark Side. Hey, is, don't you wish you would have saw this? Huh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, feed this beast that's saying. Uh, you were robbed, and I'm saying you were right. Yeah. You were robbed. Rather than saying, uh, how unfortunate, I don't condone the bully. He fed him. And yeah. that's that's something that I, I really wish hadn't happened, and I wish that when this had happened, it had been a thing. We're doing this because we feel like Zack Snyder suffered a tragedy, and we would yeah. like to to give him the opportunity to, to put out the film he wanted yeah. to because of the things he's had to suffer through because of this. Yes. Rather than because of what you, the fans did. Uh, uh, and, it's, and, and so it's not even the movie that they wanted that they thought they were robbed of because it's going to be a different film. It has to be. It's not done. Yeah. So the movie, that, so the movie that, that they've been claiming is ready to go, the four-hour assembly cut that is supposedly ready to be released at any minute by his own volition, is not going to be the movie they get. And because of that, it is not going to be uh, something that they are going to be happy with. See, here's where I think I disagree. I think because they've been clamoring for it for two and a half years, they are going to be happy with it no matter what. Because if they're because if it's bad, they've they've wasted their life. Can't possibly. Admit it, they wrong. cannot admit they're wrong, Brandon. And no matter what, I think I don't think this can turn. I think this is going to be a fun experiment. I cannot possibly see it being good. Uh, it's going to be cool to watch, sure, just to see how a movie can be a different movie. Is this going to be a good movie? I do not think so. The entire Snyder Cut fan base is going to believe it is. 110%. I do not believe... Yeah, the, 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 like, <laughs> don't cult, believe it. The cult at the heart of it that we're talking about, the bad side of it, yeah. they're going to say it's great no matter what it is. There are regular people it's who really, want the Snyder Cut who are going to be disappointed, but that hardcore it's just fan... That, it's just that I feel like you build something up so much in your mind, there's no way it can be satisfactory when, it, when you finally see it. 
yes, I the difference is like something like Endgame, where it's a manufactured thing. Like they're getting the version that they that they want, right? So they they got their bad endgame. Now they're getting their endgame. So they won no matter what. Even if it's bad, they still won. Do you remember when you what? saw Star Trek Into Darkness the first time? Do you? Do you remember what that? Are you talking you about Sparks? I was there. I could be a witness. Do you remember liking it? You too, Ben. You too. You liked it too. Do you remember that? Do you remember liking it and then defending it for a while before you yeah, went yeah. back and went, oh my God, that was bad. That's going to be that on a much longer scale for the people who think it is bad, but they committed. Yeah, I saw the Wookiee. Yeah. <laughs> saw the Wookiee. Yeah. 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 Uh, so it's going to be that on a much longer scale. It's going to be, I can't admit I was wrong about this thing I've been passionate about for two and a half years, so it must be great. Yeah, it's gonna be like in ten years, like when we actually do get like a Justice League two, and then everyone's gonna be like, "Hey, maybe the Snyder Cut isn't so good." Yeah, and, and so all- it also it also raises. We brought up a question about this a long time ago. It also raises a question of canonicity, which I understand is not a big deal with 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 Warner Brothers right now. Um, but that version, that's that, that Zack Snyder vision, is never going to continue. It's not going yeah. to magically change everything afterwards. Uh- can I? Yeah. I, I think that's actually fairly simple with the way that Warner Brothers has been moving forward. Um, Aquaman lightly mentions Steppenwolf, mm-hmm. and uh, you can just have other movies in the future mention different versions of the events in passing. So it's like, oh, I thought it was this. And it's like, oh, no, it was that story. Uh, and it doesn't matter. And it's just in the past. I also think in Justice League in a couple of years is going to be so inconsequential that you're never going to have to mention it. Yeah, honestly, because Steppenwolf is your big deal. Aquaman says his name once, and then you never think about Justice League ever again. Like I, I think I, I think this uh, could be a director's been... cut. I don't think we need to worry about canon because Justice League is still going to be canon. This is just like a weird director's cut. I I have been very happy with the direction of of Warner Brothers films lately. Um, I really like Birds of Prey and Wonder Woman and Aquaman. One, uh, uh, Shazam. Uh, Shazam. <laughs> um, and I like those movies a whole lot. And yep. I don't want to see this uh, change the direction back to a direction I was not happy with with when it came to Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. It's not. I'm not worried about yeah, that. Yeah, I don't think that'll This happen. is to satisfy a small group of fans so they can finally shut up. I think the direction is safe. I don't think this is, let's bring Zack Snyder back in and have him. I don't think that's it. If this was, in fact, to shut them up, they have failed. <laughs> yeah. The, that's the thing. You can never shut them up. Exactly. People like the hardcore, like the super hardcore Snyder Cut fans. They will mm-hmm. never shut up. They will find, they will literally pick one thing and they'll go after that and they will continue. People like this don't, they love to hear themselves talk. It um, me off. Real quickly, but, Solo Wookie says, oh, yeah. here's the skinny in my take, not that it really matters, Abyss, incredible movie. Uh, yeah. Then watch the director's cut, completely makes the movie an epic. Yeah, no, director's cuts absolutely can make movies better. Like my biggest example is is um, Kingdom of Heaven, a Ridley Scott movie. That movie is totally serviceable, but that epic, that three and a half hour director's cut is it's a completely different movie. It makes it a truly historical epic instead of just a bad action movie. Um, that that director's cut is it's sensational. That's not what we're getting with Justice League. No way, can't don't don't believe there it. There are plenty of director's cuts that I mean, look look at Blade Runner, the final cut. Yeah. yeah, final cut Blade Runner. Um, Daredevil no. saved because of the director's cut. There's nobody, but nobody was nobody was bullying people for this for those movies. Yeah, exactly. 
Anyway. I will say uh, one more positive thing. Um, there are a lot of people who have um, started charities who have, uh, uh, in, in the name of the Snyder Cut, helped with like suicidal uh, uh, prevention, suicide awareness. So again, that side of the Snyder Cut, um, I'm very happy about. They've raised so much awareness and that kind of thing. So there is a lot of positive stuff coming from this. It's just unfortunate that the outcry is from the negative loudmouths. Yeah, unfortunately, but or or like the the cyberbullying that now has continued into we won. Yes, let's uh, go attack uh, Joss Whedon. Let's go, let's go like hurt the people who were saying that the Zack Snyder cut was stupid, yeah. or bad, or that it didn't need to exist. Go to Joss Whedon's Twitter; it's disgusting right now. <laughs> remember, remember when I when I told you about the Jeff Johns Q and A on DC Universe, and all of the comments were just like. Well, why don't we ask that snake why he decided to destroy the DCE? Why don't we ask that snake why he killed yeah. Zack Snyder's daughter? Like all shit like that. Like, what is happening? You want one of those? You want to appease those people? Yeah, it's 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 weird. And again, like it, it could have been resolved. Like there's there's a way to treat the fans who who deserve this while disavowing the ones who don't. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, what it would require... So Loki, it, just like Batman v Superman. <laughs> what it would require is for them to have, in the statement of it, said, again, this is this is to give Zack Snyder this opportunity. This is not to appease the fans who bullied. It would have had to have been a public yeah. statement saying, this is not because you were harassing everyone. This is because we felt like Zack Snyder deserved to do this. Mm-hmm. Every DC affiliated account had released the Snyder Cut, Snyder Cut wins, you know, all that sort of thing. And that was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, yeah. At the end of the day, um, there, there's a small group of people that I'm very happy for uh, that are getting yes. that are getting. Yeah. The the, tri- the the finale to a thing that they never gotten and and really as like as like a big nerd like it's like not getting the last issue of a comic event like that's heartbreaking like I get I really get it I so badly wish that there was a version of Rise of Skywalker that was gonna come out that would fix everything whose cut would that be because I, I don't it's not the Abrams cut is it the, the Ryan did you see cut. did you see people were talking about like okay Disney now released the Abrams the Trevorrow cut thank you oh, people were saying cut, yeah people were saying okay Disney now released the JJ Abrams cut it's like buddy you saw it. Yeah, yeah you that's did. the one in theaters. You got the fan service yeah, you yeah. wanted. That's what happened. You got the Snyder cut. That's that was the J.J. Abrams cut of Rise of Skywalker. It, it literally says... Sit in it. Man, I would love to see the Trevorrow cut of Rise of Skywalker. Read the script. I, I, I saw somewhere... Go ahead, Ben. No, I was going to say the um, Trevorrow, one of the... Because uh, I saw a bunch of concept art for what Episode Nine could have been. And one yeah. of them was called Episode Nine: The Duel of the Fates. And I'm like, that's such a better title. They're making a, oh, uh, real quickly, they're making an audio podcast, uh, fully scripted, fully uh, um, acted, and things of the Trevor cut of, of, of Star Wars. I'm Internet. listening to that. I'm listening yeah. to that. For those of you who are not satisfied with the rest. Just turn that into an animated thing on YouTube, Ben. Um, but, but, but as much as I would like that, I, I wouldn't want it at the, I wouldn't want to be rewarded for bullying you get but that's I'm the thing. Like, yes. No, no, no. But you get you get what I'm saying. Like I, as as badly as I, I would like that to exist. I don't know that it warrants going back and altering these kind of these kind of changes just because fans are unhappy. Yeah. Yes. Again, this goes back to 2012, the first time this ever happened in video games with Mass Effect Three. That is a universally hated ending. Um, and then Bioware, uh, like three months later, put out a patch that fixed the ending. It didn't fix the ending. It made it actually made it worse. 
because <laughs> they they tried to satisfy a small group of fans who were out who were who outliers or criers about it, and then they just they double down on some decisions, and they made the, the fans who were okay with it they made them unhappy. So you really can't win no matter what when you do this kind of thing. You just have which to is why which is why you accept it and move on. Yes, that's why that's there's a great quote like art is never finished; it's just put out. That's that it's true yeah. about all art. Like sometimes you just gotta know when it's done, but we live in the modern era where we are all editors at heart and we can edit at a moment's notice and that sucks. Technology has ruined us. Um, fans are not owed anything. Nope. No. Right. Like you, you are not entitled to anything. People uh, are burning. What you get is, is a gift to begin with and accepted. People are destroying their Justice League DVDs and like sending videos to like Joss Whedon and stuff. I'm like, they got your money already. I don't know what you're trying to prove. God, yeah. every, do you know how much that pisses me off when people decide to do shit like that? Like with nineteen, like, yeah. They're your. It's like when it's like when Ethan Van Skyver ripped ripped open the uh, the head of Rose Tycho. It's like you already bought that toy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They got yeah. the money. Oh God. Um, all real right. quickly, Solo Wookie, Solo Wookie. In all fairness, the fans helped ruin the last Star Wars movies more than any character or director. Star Wars fans um, are also not great. Yeah. But that's where we go. That's where we come back to. Star Wars uh, fans aren't owed. Yeah, no, they're not owed jack shit. Uh -oh. I think Mike right. Spark says uh, we accept that gift or we don't. Yes. Yeah. Sweet gift. Yeah. Um, okay, let's move on. That was, that was a nice discourse. I'm glad. I can't wait until we have the podcast episode next year where we talk about it. I'm actually like for real now that it's really happening. I'm I am jazzed to see it because I just I'm just what what the what is it gonna be? Really, what is what are you gonna be? Brandon, I'm telling you right now, please just don't share your opinions about it on Twitter. <laughs> it's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's just not I worth it. I posted two things. I posted two things about it. I was like, no, I'm done. No, no, no. I'm talking when, when it comes out and we watch it. Just don't, don't, don't engage. Yeah. It's going to be All right. So some, horrible. some comic book news. Some comic book news. Ooh. Some new, some new books are being, in, are being uh, put out by um, mostly Boom. Uh, so we're going to talk about Boom Con Boom Studios for a bit. Um, they're putting out a book called Wind, W-Y-N-D. Uh, this is written by James Tinney and the Fourth, with art by Michael Dialinus. Dialinus, sorry. Um, it's uh, originally supposed to be a trilogy of graphic novels, but now going to be a twelve issue maxi series uh, put up by Boom Studios. Um, but they're going to be large, so they're going to be 40, 40 pages each. Nice. Um, Wind centers around Wind, the character's name, a young boy from Pipe Town who must keep his true identity as well as his pointed ears a secret. As he inhabits a world in which magical heritage is punishable by death, however, when, they, when this facade is compromised, Wind is forced uh, on a quest that places him smack in the middle of a royal conspiracy. Cool. That sounds cool. I think that looks interesting. I don't know why immediately, what, there was a book club, was it called Feathers? Yeah. Yeah, right. he had like hide his identity because he's a bird boy or whatever. Yeah, uh -huh. like, it, I just got like for some reason it reminded me of that. Like, oh, I have to hide my identity while being involved in stuff. Um, I'm interested in that. Yeah, um, Seven Secrets. Uh, Tom Taylor has been teasing this for a couple of days, yeah, uh, for a couple of weeks. Tom Taylor is writing it with uh, Danielle Di Nicuolo. Nicuolo, sorry. Uh, and it's going to be an ongoing series from Boom Studios. Um, this one is for centuries the Order has trusted in keepers and holders to guard the secrets in seven briefcases against all harm. But when their stronghold is attacked and the secrets put in peril, the entire order must face their greatest fear, an enemy who knows too much and is willing to kill to get what he wants. Now the order's newest member, Caspar, must discover the truth of the secret before the enemy does or risk losing everything. 
That sounds like a bunch of comics I've read before, but uh, let's see what it looks like. Tom Taylor's a pretty a pretty good writer, though, so I, I you know, interested. Hopefully, this comes out in August, though. We don't know what the comic book industry is going to be like, so. Yeah. Um, this one is a small little thing. I don't know if you guys are really into this one, but uh, Mega Man. Um, <laughs> Never heard uh, of it. Do you mean Rockman? Uh. Mega Man Fully Charged is being put up by Boom Studios. Um, this is written by the writers of the original show, Mega Man Fully Charged, AJ uh, Marchisello and Marcus Reinhardt, with art by Stefano Simon. Simeon. I don't sure. know. Um, I'm looking at the name. I'm looking at the name too. The, I I don't know. I'm with you on that one. This buddy. is a this is a six issue miniseries from Boom Studios. After Mega Man's father, Doctor Light is kidnapped. A shocking truth rocks Mega Man's world, as it seems the robot masters know more about his secret history than he does. But as Doctor Wily's machinations trigger Mega Man's forgotten memories of the brutal ro human robot war, our hero is left to question just who he is and if he can trust anything or anyone, including the man he calls father. That is interesting. Have you guys seen this original show? Either I, you or Sparks? I've watched a few. I only watched like the first episode. Um, uh, it was at Comic-Con, and then I finished it when I went to Sparks' house one day. Um, I haven't watched anything else, but I know, but I do know that they were trying to, to turn things different. Like, obviously, Mega Man is a secret identity. Not everyone knows that who Mega Man is. Um, there, the thing about the whole robot war was that they're might be a robot war but that's later on in the video games and that the creators were trying to to cherry pick um aspects from Mega Man ga uh game series to put into the show so cuz what big thing is that Mega Man and Mega Man X were both created by Dr. Light hands down no questions asked but the, so the fact that Mega Man might have existed before is interesting what's a twist yeah it is uh, obviously this has to deal with the show and cuz when we first get into the show Dr. Wiley is, he's not a doctor, he, he's not a doctor yet, he's a kid, and he's Mega Man's best friend. Hmm. That's weird. Yeah, so, so it, 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 it's, it's interesting, I'm not caught up on the show, so to see how this correlates to the show, and how the show essentially changes the, um, the quote-unquote mythos of Mega Man is interesting. Are you about to tell me that everything that we thought we knew was wrong? No. The trope returns. It's a parallel universe, Ryan. Yep. Uh, okay, got it. Yep, parallel universe. Got it. Um, all right. Uh, we're all fans of Deceased. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. There's a new digital first series coming out called Deceased Hope at World's End. Um, this was a surprise launched last week. Um, this past week, sorry. Um, this is written by Tom Taylor, of course, with art by Dustin Wynn, Renato Guedes, uh, Carmine uh, Di Giandominico and Marco Fela. A lot of names. Um, this is following Superman, Wonder Woman, Martian Manhunter, Stephanie Brown, Wally West, Jimmy Olsen, and more. Um, and it takes place between the time jump between five and six. Yeah. So this was actually a story that was originally in the series, but they had to cut it because of, because of page count. Uh, so they're putting it out as a digital first so it's going to be um you know kind of how they rounded up all the survivors to the fortress of solitude or in gotham or in um paradise island before they escaped earth and before martian manhunter we know remember martian manhunter shows up uh the last issue and brutally yes um this is going to be published digitally for twi twice a month 
uh, it'll run for a total of 14 chapters, which probably correlates to about two or three issues. Yeah, that's like the Injustice model. He's just yeah. going back to his uh, old digital model. I like it. Yeah, this will be published in print afterwards. Oh, I was about to ask that, yeah. Yeah, uh, this is this is a digital first series, which means print after. Okay. I'm, 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 sh I guess I'm shocked that DC that DC is doing so well because this there's like three or four things spinning off of that original series. Yeah. Like we're getting the sequel, and then there's like there's like Unkillable, which is like so unkill the Unkillable just ended. Yeah, and then this started, and then DC's two, two. Dead Planet is coming out soon. That's a lot of DC this is, stuff. This is hitting uh, the popularity that Marvel Zombies once had. Yes, and that yeah, yeah. that was really popular. I'm I'm just glad that it's connecting because um. It just like like injustice, like this is a awesome alternate universe that happens to be horror centric. Yeah. Um, I'm glad people like it. Me too. I really enjoy it. Yeah. Um, then there's a new book coming out by Dylan Sprouse, the actor, Jughead himself. Oh, <laughs> what? Um, Dylan, what you doing? Um, Cody of Zach and Cody. Yep. Sorry. Oh, uh, sounds pretty sweet to me. He he is working with Heavy Metal, the mag the magazine Heavy Metal, to put out this new comic book, Sun Eater. Um, this is written by him and Joe Harris with art by Diego Yepper. It's going to be a nine-issue series from Heavy Metal. As set in 9th century Norway, Sun Eater follows Veldolf, drug-addled warrior who, after sacrificing his leg to the gods, is fused with a parasitic beast, giving him the power to rescue his son from history's first Norwegian king and his quintet of personal guards. This grim and bloody adventure is described as a dark metaphor for drug addiction, selfishness, and the children it affects. This sounds awesome. Yeah, it does. Dylan this Sprouse, sounds, what are you doing? This sounds much better than when J.J. Abrams' son was writing Spider-Man. Oh. Um, <laughs> just speaking on like famous celebrity writing yeah. comics. like uh, That comic's still done. not even out yet. It's still not done. God. Yeah, you know, I think this sounds really cool. Norse what mythology has begun a lot of play in a lot of places ever since God of yeah. War came out. Yeah. I'm actually uh, for it. You said this is like being published by Heavy Metal? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's wicked. That is so cool. This sounds yeah. like a heavy metal book. Yeah, yeah, I'm really stoked. Um, yeah, me too. All right, so this is this is this is uh, we're out of the comic book section. Uh, we're going to talk about Sony's universe of Marvel heroes. Yes, the best news of the week. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to talk about this. Um, as we all know, that is that is Sony's designation for their films. Wait, what's um, what, what's the 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 Sony's? What does it say it again? So it's the sunk? Yeah. Sony's universe of Marvel heroes. It's the sunk. Marvel characters, sorry. Um, so they're working on a female-centric spider character film. That's all we know. Um, S.J. Clarkson, who wrote Jessica Jones, is uh, and she worked on The Defenders, she is working on this film, uh, the script. It's believed that this is the Madam Web movie that was announced a couple weeks ago. Couple yeah. Months ago. It's, it's funny because... Um, in that, in like whatever article you have, they they have a director. They don't have a script or an actor yet, but they hired the director. So I'm like, wow, they're really far ahead on this one. Hold on. Solo Wookie Tarna is my future wife. Who's Tarna? What were we just talking about? Who starts with a T? Sunny sorry, Solo Wookie. Explain this one, Solo Wookie. I'm sorry. That Jughead is that is the real name, Tarna? Um, oh, maybe. I, know, okay. I haven't seen Riverdale in a while. Um, okay, so yeah, so this is believed to be a Madam Web series. Um, then our good friend Mark Guggenheim, the Googs, has Goog. been tapped to write a uh, a movie called Tarna Jackpot. Tarna's a Spider-Man character. Wow. Yeah. Oh, 
She's a Clintar. Oh, she's she's from um. That's the 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 the, the Venom. That's Venom stuff. Yeah. Clintar. Oh, is that Madam Web? I no. don't know. Is that Madam Web? No. No. It's not. It's not Madam Web. It's it's an alien. It's, an, it's, it's a space lady. When did we talk about this person? <laughs> we we I we didn't. I think that's just. I a think character it's that it can be a female Marvel character. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, thank you. <laughs> okay. Um, so Mark Guggenheim is writing Jackpot. Um, if you don't know who this character is, that's fine. I don't either. But apparently oh, Mark, yeah. Guggenheim, Mark Guggenheim wrote a miniseries called Amazing Spider-Man Presents Jackpot. Yeah. So let me tell you about it real quick, because this is the, the very beginning of Dan Slott's run back when he was still good at writing Spider-Man. Um, Jackpot is a superhero that looks and sounds and talks exactly like Mary Jane Watson. For a year... People thought Jackpot was Mary Jane. Her name is Jackpot. She calls, she she uses the 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 terms Mary Jane used. She calls people Tiger. Her name is Jackpot. You face a tiger, you hit the jackpot. It's for a year, it was teased that Mary Jane was a secret hero. Spoilers, it's not Mary Jane. Um, nobody cares that that it was a year of buildup for no real reason. Jackpot is a unessential Spider-Man character, the most unessential Spider-Man character. The reason she's how she's getting a movie is beyond me because i haven't even introduced mary jane yet to introduce a thing of a fake mary jane so this is a worse idea than silk or madam web or any of these i think this is the worst of all the ideas that they've done i'd rather watch a, did, an Aunt may movie what if they did alpha alpha would make more sense because you can introduce them and then maybe be spider-man sidekick we were all wrong <laughs> she's the teraklin that takes down the ultimate ball of evil in the heavy metal movie oh, yes. oh. oh heavy metal got it okay oh i even watched that movie for the for the born annoyed thing i've never seen it i've never good. seen it i saw clips of it and i never watched it again good good cool solo wookie you're real metal metal man. um okay uh, anyway those are i'm sure happening eventually so um, the, it's just funny because yeah the googs wrote this like 15 years ago um and they're just getting him to write the script for it now and it's like what are they doing over there? Like, really, what are they doing? They don't know. Like, this, they're worse than, than Warner Brothers Poor now. Mark Guggenheim, that sounds like such a terrible story. I know. Uh, maybe it'll be great. Who knows? Um, okay. <laughs> I have Mission. no faith in any Sony Marvel movies that aren't Spider-Verse. Yeah. Fair. Right now, right now yeah. Um, okay. Mission Impossible 7 and 8 had some more casting news. Um, it appears that Nicholas Holt is out because of scheduling conflicts due to the coronavirus uh, pushing back the shooting of this movie. Um, he had to bow out. And Esai Morales, who plays Deathstroke on Titans, is in fact in as the villain He's for Mission Impossible Deathstroke. 7 and 8. It's really cool. This is a really good choice. That dude has such a presence, like a call, like a presence of like he can be speaking very calmly, but like he can still kick your ass like any second. Uh, he's a good, he's definitely more intimidating than Nicholas Holt. So it makes me think that are they playing the same character? Because they're very different looking in like physical and stuff like that. Dude's very like big, and Nicholas Holt's kind of like a skinny dude. So I'm like, I wonder if they're changing the story or if they're just playing the same character. That's very interesting. Uh, they might guys. be changing the story. Guys, yeah. remind me, Nicholas Holt, he's the guy who plays Beast in the new X-Men movie, yes. right? And he's also in The Great, right? Yes. Okay, cool. I know who he is. All right. Have you watched also, The Great yet, Ryan? Not, not yet. Not, not yet. Let's start next week. Hopefully. Um, but yeah, yeah, I was really interested to see Nicholas Holt as a villain. Um, but this is this is cool. Can't yeah. wait for more Mission Impossible. I'm just glad um, that guy, because uh, I'm not super familiar with his work, but he was on Des he's Deathstroke on TV, so that means he's getting elevated to like big movie stuff. So that's good for him. Yeah. I um, since everything's on quarantine, I need. I'm I'm pretty sure you or you. I know you do. 
I need to go and borrow all the Mission Impossible movies after three because I haven't seen a single one of them. They're all good. I, I, I know. Them. I know, which was why I need to borrow them so I can watch them all. Sparks, do you own them? All but two. <laughs> so, yes, he owns all and the that's old, And two and three are the only ones I've ever seen. Good. Three's good. Um, okay. Yeah, I like Greyhound. So, Greyhound. We were all interested in this film. Uh, Tom Hanks' new film, Greyhound, a submarine film. Looked really interesting. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, um, it's no longer going to debut in theaters. It is the latest one to change to a VOD release. It's going to actually debut on Apple TV+. Plus. This is weird. Oh, man, Tom. Oh, no. no. I wanted to see it. Oh. I won't. <laughs> Damn it. Damn it all. That movie looked good. It looked really good. I'm really so, bummed about this. So this is well, going to debut. So this is going to debut on Apple TV Plus. Uh, Sony apparently sold the movie to Apple for seventy million dollars. Already really making back their money. God damn! That movie couldn't have cost that much money. What? Yeah. Well, good for him. It's Jesus. a good pick for. It's a good pull for Apple. It's a major Tom Hanks film. I really wanted to see it though. I'm kind of bummed they won't get to. Is it? Are there that many people that are going to go, man? I really need to see that Tom Hanks submarine movie on Apple TV right now. I'm not like Tom Hanks. Not right now. No, no, not what I'm saying. I'm <laughs> saying that that justifies buying a service. Maybe not. No. Uh, I wanted to see it though, so I'm bummed about this. This yeah. phone. So. So um, we better. We're gonna watch all of that shit. Like, oh boy. Uh, yeah. So that, that's that's too bad for me. Oh. <gasps> that means we can watch the Dune show. When it comes out, that's on HBO Max because that's one of Brothers. I thought that was it. I'm watching it anyway. Who cares? <laughs> Super duper. <laughs> Woo! That was um, Apple. <laughs> who cares about Apple TV Plus, really? Okay. Yeah, um, so Edgar Wright, uh, Nira Park, Joe Cornish, and Rachel Pryor have teamed up to make a new production company called Complete Fiction. Um, they have already they have already started working on three on four potential uh, projects for Netflix. Plus another project for a for a studio that they have not divulged yet. Uh, they have only divulged three of the Netflix projects that they are working on. Um, they are Lockwood and Co., which is a supernatural action adventure detective series based on the novels by Jonathan Stroud. This will be helmed by Joe Cornish himself. Uh, the Murders of Molly Southbourne, uh, a sci-fi horror trilogy from novelist uh, Tade Thompson, and The City of Brass, uh, as it's translated in America, but it's actually called the uh, Dave a Bad Trilogy, which I'm pretty sure I butchered, um, is a horse historical fantasy series inspired by Islamic folklore from Arthur from author S. A. Chakraborty. Chakraborty. Sorry. Um, I think all three of these sound awesome. Um, the, the murders of Molly kind of sounds a little like Moyer McTaggart, if you ask me. Multiple murders happening, figuring out your crimes. There's a bunch of books that also do that. I think that's basically. Yeah. I perked okay. up when you said City of Brass because in Critical Role, in the first campaign they did, the group Vox Machina actually goes to a place called the City of Brass on the fire plane. And it's actually a really cool uh, caper that they have to do. They like make some deals and stuff. So I'm like, wait, are they actually doing something from that thing from Critical Role, Dungeons and Dragons? Nope, totally different. Uh, totally different. This is, you know, Edgar Wright. Um, he's a great, he's a great uh, <clears throat> um, creative force. We all love him. Uh, so it's really cool to see him doing this sort of things. And uh, I think all three of these projects look really interesting, and I'm really in uh, interested in where these can go. Heck yeah. Same. <clears throat> yeah. Um, okay, trailers. Actually, well, if I may interject, I just want to acknowledge something real quick. Uh, Do it. 
I mean, obviously, the reason why I'm wearing this is because on Friday, it was Pac-Man's 40th anniversary. Mm, yes. The arcade came out on May 22nd, 1980, and ever since, it act- currently, it hold- as I was doing a little bit of like fun facts to look up, um, it's the most popular and most longest-running coin-operated video game cabinet in existence. Ben, may I, may I, a much bigger anniversary happened this week. It is the anniversary of the debut of the Dark Universe. Three years, Ben. Hold on, so I'm going to change Three years, three years. I'm going to channel, channel Tom Cruise in that airplane with none of the special effects, just him screaming, okay? <laughs> it's the cultural icon that has survived the test of time for over Cultural four. icon, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. <laughs> It's the debut of that picture that they all took with Johnny Depp and Javier oh, Bardem and Sofia Batella. Yeah, yeah. You get the classic, the classic line, Jenny, run! <laughs> I kind of want to watch that movie again. I just want to play no, Pac-Man. Don't, don't do that, Brandon. Anyways, I just want to acknowledge Pac-Man's 40th anniversary was on Friday. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I'm hoping for 40 more years. Whenever a video game, game like when a, a video game like that especially a classic coin-operated game that has survived ever since the 80s to today that's still being played all around the world. People are still buying cabinets. They're still wanting to restore cabinets. Um, it's just for, for me, it makes me happy because it means that the game will live on forever and all of its iterations, both the good and the bad. So happy for you to Pac-Man, buddy. Waka waka. Happy for you. Yeah. Um, okay, so some trailers. We got some trailers here real quick. Uh, let's start with We Bear Bears, colon, the movie. Yeah, so uh, nobody needed to watch this trailer per se. But I did. Yeah, but I told you you didn't need to because <laughs> you have no familiarity with We Bear Bears, correct? No. Bear okay, Bear. Yeah, this means nothing. Bear Bear. Um, <laughs> uh, but this is a uh, th- this is the latest cartoon from Cartoon Network to get a film, uh, an animated film, which they seem to be doing with an increasing regularity. Um, Adventure Time had it happen. Regular Show had it happen. Steven Universe, uh, Teen Titans Go went straight to theaters for it. But uh, now here we are. We Bear Bears is also getting a film, and I'm super happy for them. And I just wanted to touch note on the fact that that was announced. Um, we Bear Bears. Oh no, there's songs for the Dark Universe. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it, it, it's called the Sound of Silence. Hello, darkness, my yeah. old friend. But yeah, uh, actually, this, but... Looks, this looks charming. I, I I did watch it. I've I've been interested in this cartoon for a while because I love bears. Um, <laughs> we bear no. bears is a really nice uh really nice easygoing cartoon um it's it's the loosest i'd say as far as canon uh amongst the cartoon network shows but uh all cartoon network shows at this point treat everything as sequential um so they're they they are the bears grow grow more notorious in what clearly is san francisco uh, for their antics and that that backfires on them, uh, and they think about moving to Canada. And this movie looks good. I really like it. I I'm I'm actually familiar with We Bear Bears. I've seen a few episodes. Fanny loves the show, and this movie will, does look like a longer version of a episode. And I'm actually excited. Duh, bears. Ice Bear is yeah. my favorite. I love Ice Bear. I, I'm not surprised at all that Ice Bear is your. Actually, I'm a little surprised. I could see you being a Pan Pan fan. Uh, actually, I just like Ice Bear's dry wit the most because especially like like in the trailer when Ice Bear goes like Ice Bear ride or die. Ice Bear is here to party. Yes. Just like the way the voice actor delivers those lines for Ice Bear to me just it just makes me I'm like I like that guy he's funny. 
<laughs> okay. Um, what then was that, you, Ryan? You put on you, you put on the list uh, before we started a movie called Gundala. Yes, uh, this is an Indonesian film uh, based off a comic book that is being adapted, which I think is just really cool, and it doesn't look bad. No, no, it looks really engaging. I'm, I, I was, I was interested in this. Yes, mix of martial arts and superpowers. Yeah, um, Indonesia. Um, that's where movies like The Raid come from. So, like, the martial arts is going to be very good. Um, it's super cool because you don't often see superhero martial arts movies. Right. They're very different kind of like movies because you have people throwing lightning. They don't often also are doing martial arts. Yeah. Unless it's Mortal Kombat. Um, so I'm actually very, very interested. It looks like the budget's high enough where they can get away with stuff. Like, the costume looks a little whatever. Um, but, like, the action itself looks pretty good. It's got a cool story about, like, Revolution, you know, taking down the man. Uh, it looks, yeah, it looks really cool. Is it, where is it coming to? Netflix? Did it say? Uh, I, I did not. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm not sure it has an American release yet. It does. I don't think it has an American release yet. Um, gotcha. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Netflix picks it up. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, th then I put this one on. I thought this would be fun to talk about. You don't know me, N O M I. I love uh, this. I'm so happy you put this on here because I don't think I don't think anyone was gonna. <laughs> this is the this is the documentary about the cultural impact of the notorious film yeah. Showgirls. So yeah, Paul Verhoeven, who directed um, uh, Starship Troopers and RoboCop, uh, made one of the worst movies of all time. Uh, arguably one of the best movies of all time because it's like the room where you just can't believe what's on screen right now it's just it's if you watch the, the trailer for this documentary you've seen some of the clips it's truly an outlandish movie um just bonkers. have you seen the cut have you seen the cut without any music i i could not imagine there's a I cut of showgirl and i've seen i've seen showgirls just real quickly i have seen this movie um Good. i mean not there's a cut of, <laughs> i mean depending on your point of view um there is a cut of this movie uh that takes away the music and it's just sound effects that's gotta be and dialogue horrible like unbearable it makes me uncomfortable thinking about it because without it music me... everything's already already worse it's oh, weird cause... so this is oh man no this, this is the a... showgirl stars one of the main I, I was gonna say this reminds me it's like a showgirl <laughs> There's a delay between you guys. Yeah, there was a delay. <laughs> ben, ben, just talk. Okay, this reminds me of a reverse Rise of, uh, not Rise of Skywalker, Last Jedi score only film. Because I've uh -oh. seen the film, Last Jedi, just the score, no dialogue, no sound effects, just the music, and it was beautiful. It was great. So doing the, the reverse of that with no music and just sound effects and dialogue hurts my soul. Also with a bad movie. So, just yeah. So this is the movie that stars one of the main actresses from Saved by the Bell. Uh, she wanted to break out of her Saved by the Bell typecast, and she gets full on topless, full on nude. It is, it is quite the movie. And many yeah. and and people people who filmed it weren't sure if they were making a good or a bad movie while they were filming it. Yeah, uh, Paul Verhoeven is is like if you've seen a documentary, he, um, Showgirls is as sexy as starship troopers is violent and his thing is like sex and violence go hand in hand like like america is, is shy about sex so i'm gonna shove it in their face you didn't you didn't you should have made a good movie first because like we accept sexuality when it's good <laughs> but when you when you have a really terrible sex scene under a waterfall with kyle mclaughlin uh you just gotta you gotta rethink your step brother what a movie i'm interested in this documentary i'd like to see 100%. this i'm i, I'm I only know the movie by its notoriety I mean, people talk about showgirls, and then they're like, "Oh, this movie's so bad, it's awful. It's like Trolls Two level of god of horrible." Um, bigger budget than Trolls Two. Yeah, bigger budget than Trolls. Bigger Two. Budget. There you go. Big stars. Oh yeah. Yeah, but it may, I mean, I know how bad this movie is, but at the same time, I want to see it for myself. 
Yeah, I've never, it's like the room. Yeah, it's it's worth watching. Yeah, for fun. Yeah, because um, I've never um, seen the room either. And people tell me how bad it is, and other people say, "Oh my god, it's a it's a cinema masterpiece." I'm like, oh, we're making them watch the room. Hell yeah, I I could watch the room all day every day. Once this quarantine is over, and able to finally come back to your house to watch movies, we're watching the room. Good. I think we're gonna actually switch the switch the order of these real quick uh well let's go to space force there was a new space force trailer because the show is debuting this weekend this coming weekend um i thought this trailer was pretty good not as good as the first one it was longer uh, yeah it was longer uh you're right showgirls is no heavy metal uh, but i can't say that for sure um <laughs> yeah so so uh this kind of dives more into i really like the idea uh behind it which is just steve carell just like we're ma- we have to make this. And I really like Steve Carell being the straight man to the government. Yes. As the funny people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that's a really funny dynamic I've not seen before. And yeah, uh, uh, we got a little bit more of John Malkovich, which I liked. Yeah, I like his, his like, he's like the smart guy, like helping him out, like correcting him every mistake he makes. And like, uh, the dynamic looks really cool. The cast is great. Um, I'm definitely very excited to watch the show, actually. Yeah, Benjamin Schwartz is in it. Oh, yeah, right. I don't think the the trailer is as good, but like now I kind of have a better understanding of how the show is going to flow. I think yeah. I think it looks it looks pretty good. I think the the start is hilarious when he just launches the rock. Is like, oh god, how many times yeah. can I apologize? <laughs> yeah. Now this show it looks hilarious. I mean, to see Steve Carell back doing a show like this, I'm like, I'm I'm for it. I, I'm down to watch this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so next show, Sparks. Did you want to say anything about Space Sparks? Um, it just it looks good. Uh, I I don't have any different opinions than the last time we talked about it at this moment. Yeah. Um, then we'll go to The Last Days of American Crime. This is based off the graphic novel, the same name, uh, Netflix. By who? Uh, By who, Brandon? By who? Is this Greg Rucka? No, it's Rick Remender, baby. Same person. It's my boy. No, that's Mark Wayne. Don't mix them You're up. You're right. I'm sorry. Now I got three of them. It's Warren Ellis. <laughs> oh, no. Um, yeah, so The Last Days of American Crime. This is one of the graphic novels that I have not read by Rick Remender. This is an original graphic novel. Um, it's about... It's it's slightly sci-fi where crimes crime obviously crime's illegal but they there's a device that just stops crime from happening so this is the last heist like the last traditional heist in American history technically in, before in they before they launch the new the thing yeah. that's going to stop crime the minority happening. report stop crimes before they happen type of thing yeah. um, I think this is an, a fascinating concept um, Rick Remender is really good about doing this type of gritty realism with sci-fi trips you guys have read a bunch of his books um, I love the cast I think this looks really cool I love I love that it's just like just sci-fi enough but being completely realistic um, I the main guy um, I forget his name but he's a really talented French dude and I really like him a lot he has a lot of presence his face is really intense. Uh, I'm very excited for this. And my boy Rick Remender is getting more movies made, more TVs made. Just like all the money for you, Rick. I love you. Yeah. yeah. On out. No, um, when, I, when I saw this trailer, I was instantly like, wow, they stopped crime. But this is because I always, I kind of like, I think the Italian job got me into this because I really like movies where the bad, where like the bad guys and they're stealing. But at the same time, it's like, we want to do stuff. And this is, this is how we're going to do it. May I just say that like the title's good, but how is it not called Crime Stoppers? Because they already call a movie called Time Stoppers, and it's too I close. know, that's why it should be Crime Stoppers. <laughs> but they're not the ones stopping the crime. It's the, the last days of America, American crime. That makes more And it's more. a heist. It's not like they're, it's not the purge where they're like, let's go murder people. It's like, we're going to steal $30 million. <laughs> I'm going to be rich. Stoppers. I wonder it. if they ever made, oh, do you think they made that fifth purge movie? Or did they just have a release date and forgot to make no, it? No, it's made. It's made. It was supposed to come out this year. I know. 
they make those movies for cheap like that. Like we, they get announced by the time they're already. If they can, if they can make Jumanji in the amount of time that they made Jumanji too, Purge I'm was supposed sure to, they can yeah. make a fifth Purge. I just, Purge I, I know Purge Five was supposed to come out uh, in July, but I could not find any confirmation that they had actually started filming. I believe it. I think I think it's just done and waiting because those movies take like seven days to make. Um, okay, um, so let's go to the Greg Rekka one, The Old Guard. This is the this oh. is the. Now I see why you got him confused. Okay. Yes. Uh, comic book adaptations. Okay. So this is the comic book adaptation of the same name. This one is written by Greg Rekka, um, and this has Charlie Theron. Uh, this looks really good. I'm really excited for this. Yeah, dude. Immortals um, taking care of the world, like like Templars, like old school Templars, like living throughout time. Like they didn't go into some of that stuff, but like I love this premise all all, all the time. I think, Immortal soldiers. I think we should read the comic uh, with the movie. I think that'd yeah. be fun. Oh, yeah, I'm always a fan of doing that. Yeah. Same with this uh, uh, um, yeah. Same with uh, the last days of American Crime. I'm down to read that book. Sure. Yeah, that'd be fun. I know. Um, I know this guy's gonna be happy because he's like, yeah, make Ben read more recommender. Personally, personally, I like. I was more into the old guard. If we're comparing the two, which I don't think we should, but if we are, uh, I was more into the old guard. I think that looked much more fascinating, and I was really, I was really engaged in what I saw. I mean, it's definitely more fantastical, so it's going to be inherently more interesting. Uh, yeah. uh, I definitely like both. Both these look like fun adaptations of their source material. Um, yeah. I really like Charlie Theron as an action star. Like since uh, Atomic Blonde. Atomic Blonde? Yeah, Atomic Blonde, yeah. Blonde, um, and Fast and Furious, and, like, uh, Mad, Mad Max. Max yeah, um, she's super duper, so just give her more action mm -hmm. stuff, please. Oh, yeah. Was she um, Aeon right. Flux, or am I misremembering? She was an Aeon Flux. Uh, Whoa. But we, we don't talk her. about Aeon Flux. Yeah, no, no. Okay, but don't talk about Aeon Flux. <laughs> we don't Ooh. talk about that or Ultraviolet. Oh, go away. <laughs> Ooh, that movie's so bad. Oh, my God. What was the one where it had the, where the dude was like such a germaphobe that he had like filters on his nose and he opened up a bag with a sanitized gun? Was I think that that's pilot? Ben, I never watched oh. either of those movies, so I couldn't tell you. I just You're saw both. a clip of from one. I thought it was cool. Then I changed the channel. Antebellum. Oh, Antebellum. I don't know what this movie is, but I, I don't want know to know what this movie is either. There is a I new trailer for Antebellum. Uh, we get a little bit more of a sense of what's happening here. It's not, it looks like you know uh, these people get chosen and then sent to this thing and whatever. Okay, so is it all right? So we're gonna try to break it down. The, the three minutes of single one minute trailers are they are are the people being sent back in time as a punishment or are they being sent back in time to save slavery? Because I thought it looks like she's being punished by being so sent back. I don't think it's, I don't, so what I think it is, and this could be wrong. We yes. all could be wrong. Yes, nobody I think, knows. I think they are chosen to be punished, but it's not going back in time. I think it's a simulation. Mm, okay. And they ha and that's why they're that's why they're going to disrupt the simulation by starting the the rise up to try to escape. Right. Why would oh. there be a slave? Ooh, ooh, that's a whole. This is a whole different facet. I wasn't oh, even thinking okay. about technology. So like, yeah, I, I, I didn't think it was time travel either because of the the simulation stuff with like the plane. The plane fields, yeah. Yeah. Man. Uh, but I, I do think it's a punishment. I thought yeah. it was time travel. I thought it was time travel, and this one person's like living different. It was kind of like an Assassin's Creed sort of thing, where it's like, here's yeah, your yeah. ancestors. You're waking up in your ancestor's body, and you get to choose what you could do this. Um, like, that if you wake like, up. I like that too, yeah. The only I thing. The only thing I, I, I just don't think it's pure time travel because, like, there's clearly some weird, like, riff stuff, which is either dimensional or it's uh, simulation. There's like, there's like glitching. Because because she sees the glitching of the plane, or she sees the little girl, 
in okay, the elevator I, that like makes no sense. Okay, so there's uh, so I don't know what antebellum meant. So it actually is a real word that means something. It just means before the war. So the movie is dealing with before the start of the Civil War. So maybe they're trying to simulate a way to stop the Civil War from happening or something. Maybe. I don't know. That's, I don't know, but I'm excited to watch it. Yeah, Me it too. looks like like a w- wacky sci-fi. I've movie. never yeah. I've never not known more about the movie. Yeah, it feels like also, we got it's also from the producers of Us and Get Out, so it's like yeah. cool. I'm down. Mm-hmm. All right. Tenant. Another movie I still have no idea what the frack is going on. We'll it's see not now. Time travel. We'll see now. That this trailer actually now I I know exactly what's happening. Yeah, time travel stuff. No, I mean like I get the plot. He's you know, they're trying to stop something and he can yeah. perceive time in a different direction. Some They're getting information from the future and something is happening to time that is, things are happening before they happen. So like you see the gunshots have already happened, things, yeah. but they have a way of of detecting detecting it so they, they can interact with it. It's weird. It's crazy stuff. Well, Scott Derrickson, Scott Derrickson said that it looks like it's a movie that it looks like, it's a movie going backwards, but John David Washington is going forwards. So like yeah, the I movie is going backward in time, but yeah. he's going forwards oh, in time. Is this like an opposite memento? I'd be into that. that Holy shit. Oh, this movie's gonna be so cool, you guys. I the part where he catches a bullet back into the gun. That was, yeah, so, that was so cool. <laughs> Uh, this so this I love Robert Pattinson in this. I love Dave Washington in this. I, I think that they, they both sound awesome. they both look awesome. Um, yeah. I just real quickly, what a flex at the end of this trailer being like coming to theaters. Yeah, yeah, theaters. Yeah, I really like that. Uh, no, but then they I'll took never down put the a movie out on demand first. I'll never do it. <laughs> I mean, come on, it's Christopher Nolan. You know how much he loves like I do. He does IMAX. He's like straight to film. Like there, are, how many times have you I, like the last two movies, Dunkirk and this one, where it's like watch it in sped out thirty or x whatever the number is millimeter screenings. Seventy millimeter. As, thank you. Seventy millimeter screenings at these theaters for these films. I, I still remember like The Dark Knight was one of the first movies to like really use like uh, um, IMAX footage for like a specific oh, yeah. scene. And then like we saw like more and more in Avengers and all that. But like seeing that movie in IMAX and like the specific IMAX stuff and I'm like, oh, wow, Christopher. I'm like, <laughs> cool. This dude, that dude progresses filmmaking in like in such interesting ways. And like he's a true like I love film. Like, like yeah, DVD is cool. But like I want it to be in the movie theater and I respect that a lot. Uh, yeah. He's one of the guys who's keeping it alive. I'm really stoked for this movie. I'm, I'm, I really like Christopher Nolan. I haven't, there's probably two movies that I'm not crazy about, but otherwise I really like his movies. Prestige is my favorite. Um, yes. So I'm this really excited good. for this because it looks like just another, it doesn't look quite as uh, uh, thin. So my, my issue with Nolan recently has become that he has more interested in concepts than characters, which isn't the problem. Um, yeah. But his films tend to be too short and the characters get shortchanged because of it. Because he's focusing more on the. This doesn't look like that. This looks like a really interesting, engaging um, yeah. film uh, and concept, while also having really engaging characters. I I would describe Christopher Nolan's films as the common man's intellectual movie. Yes, because you have. And I don't Boy, mean that, that's so. True. I don't mean that disrespectfully. No, but he makes smart movies for regular people, and I, I swear I'm, I don't mean that in a negative way. Because there are movies that are really high concept that like like uh, that take multiple viewings to get like things like like David Lynch stuff, right? He makes like think pieces. Christopher Nolan does that, but on a on a um on a surface level. And again, yeah. that's not bad. he makes brilliant yeah. blockbusters. They're not very deep. Again. Yeah, I re- not a bad thing he doesn't have to do that but like no. he's a very surface level director but so, he always he always plays with time every yes. single one of his movies plays with the concept of time 
Mm-hmm. No, I I just I keep remembering Except for the Dark Knight films. <laughs> no, I was gonna say I keep remembering the discussions I've had with a bunch of my friends who are Casey Casuals after Dark Knight and Inception, especially Inception. Everyone was talking about Inception. Inception's where I first realized that he cared more about concepts than characters. Fun fact. I, I'm not trying to say it's a bad thing, but like yeah. the moment you said that sentence, yeah. I was like, I thought of all the people who have been like film studies and like Nolan is their god, and, I, and it's like, <laughs> no, me a deep film, and yeah. I'm like, is he? No, uh, Christopher <laughs> Nolan is an except. I love he is. No, a, he is. He's, he's really one of my good. favorite filmmakers for sure. But I do not go to him for deep intellectualism. I right. go to him for incredible cinematography and badass mm-hmm. action scenes. Brandon knows exactly a person I'm thinking of. I know people like that. <laughs> yeah, I, like I, I get it. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm super excited for this. This looks like another one of his crazy concepts that like that goes far enough where it's gonna make sense and not alienate people. And yeah. that's what I like about him. He he the thing he brings concepts like an Inception and Interstellar. He brings mm-hmm. far out concepts to modern people and makes them easy to understand. And that's the one thing I truly like about his, his filmmaking. At yeah. first, like the first trailer for Tenet, I was completely like, I have no idea what is going on. I, I felt like this was Christopher Nolan flexing in a way that I that didn't really uh, like um, vibe with me. I was I wasn't feeling it. Cinema. After, yeah. After this trailer, I'm like, nah, I'm in. I want to watch it. Let's go. Yeah, Let, I'm very let's roll. For this. Uh, I love with Robert Pattinson what, at the very end of the trailer saying, "Like, well, now this did is going to be dramatic." Did you catch the cut when it's just like from the creator of the Dark Knight trilogy and Robert Pattinson comes out of the car? Me, Batman. Like, you're, you're funny, editor. Well done. Well yeah, done. Robert Pattinson's Batman now. Hell yeah. There's yeah. Chris, there's here's a, a a shadow scene of Christian Bale's Batman. Now here's your new Batman. You're welcome. Um, all right. Anything else we want to add before we move on? Yes, I forgot to put it on here. It's not really a trailer. It was a music video. But oh, I know yes, this one. Uh, we missed this. Uh, Netflix released a music video for its upcoming. I watched this. Oh man, yes, it's so good. Uh, Eurovision Song Contest: The Story of Fire Saga which is uh, the two Icelandic singers being played by Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams singing to each other. Yes. Uh, this film is coming out June 26th. You should check out this music video. Um, it's not a trailer, but it is a music video. It's really cool. It gives you an idea of what's up. It looks great. Yeah. Um, um, Pierce Brosnan uh, and Demi Lovato are also in this film. So for those of you who don't know, Eurovision is a like European American Idol, but like it incorporates like the entire world. It's like a worldwide American Idol. It's really cool. I I always check out some of the some of the performances like as it happens. I never watch the whole thing because it's insane and long. Um, but like doing a spoof on that seems really funny, and I hope it doesn't make a Europeans mad. I was sold by this music video so fast. Will Ferrell, Will Ferrell, and Rachel McAdams. Yeah, Rachel McAdams. I didn't expect this from. Yeah, she's um she's she's really funny. Like, she's in like game night and stuff. So, like yeah. she has. I'm really I'm really excited that Rachel McAdams is flexing her comedic muscle again because after game night she deserves it. Yeah, she's yeah. really funny. Oh yeah, I still need to see that one too. Great movie. Okay, shall we get into our main topic? Star yeah. talk. Sounds good. So, uh, as always, um, when a new comic book TV show comes out, well, not always, but like where, you know, often when we, when we can work when, it out. When we can work when, it out. We will talk about the first volume in relation to at least the first episode of that. Is that it inspired? Uh, Stargirl, which is the new DC Universe slash uh, um, uh, CW series, in relation to the comic uh, that inspired it, Stars and Stripe by Jeff Johns. Um, so what, what, what do we want to start with the show or the, or the book? Uh, I say let's start with the book because I say let's start with the book. Okay. Um, 
All right, so let's, let's get into it, and we'll, uh, from there, we'll just uh, just organically reach into the show. Most um, of the stuff from the show is in this book, so I don't think we need to really worry about spoiling. The no, I don't think so either. Um, most of the stuff from the from the first episode of the show uh, of the show is in the first is in the first issue. Um, a lot a lot of it. Um, it is important to note that the show combines the star the Star Spangled Kid and Starman into one character, which yeah. he is not in the comics. No, right. Um, I'll be the first to say I think that Starman costume with like with the stars on his hell's head looks terrible. I think that's a horrible <laughs> costume. I yeah. think that looks really, really, really bad. I the think Star Spangled Kid outfit. Yeah, I think the show version is the better version of that, but I think that that attire is like, yeah, I get it's old school. It's ugly. Yeah. <laughs> Not like Doctor Doctor Midnight or, or Owl Man. Like that is an ugly costume. I think. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um. So the 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 so the book is you know Courtney Whitmore. Uh, Pat Dugan is her new stepfather, and they moved to Blue Valley, uh, Nebraska, because uh, Pat is looking for something. Um, and I, I was a. Uh, I love Jeff Johns. You know this. I'm a big fan. Um, yeah. I was not crazy about this book. Not no, really why? This is uh, again. This, if you read the um, if you read the forward in the trade paperback, um, yeah. he says, "I this is the first comic I wrote for DC 20 years ago." Right. And this was what? in 1999. So I am not going to flack him for being a mediocre writer for his first mainstream comic book right. because uh, this was 20 years ago. Uh, you know that what? being said, I it, it was pretty. Uh, bare bones, like nothing. Courtney, Courtney is a difficult character to like. I don't. I both both the movie both and versions, the show. Yeah, or, the sorry, show the show and the, the book. Comic. She is very. Unlikable. I am flabbergasted yeah. that DC decided to build an entire show around this character. To be honest. Oh, interesting. I liked her in the show. Whoa! Oh, no, found her absolutely. Unlikely. What yeah. is there to like? She's. I, I found her. I found her engaging. Oh, hold up. Let, let... Brian, I totally could tell that this was a um, what I was going to ask if this was one of Jeff Johns' first uh, outings as a His writer. Very because, first DC comic. Yeah, because I felt like it was very early Jeff Johns. That being said, uh, I'm glad that he grew as to one of the best writers in comic books today. And at the same time, I cared more about Pat Stripe and the, his, his history with the JSA in both the show and the comic more than I cared about Courtney. Yeah, uh, to be honest... Um, Courtney is my least favorite thing in both on um, both of these things. I find I find the JSA and Pat and their struggles so much more endearing than this girl high school yeah. girls problems that I've seen literally a million times. So no, I do want to I do want to ask what did you guys think about the show? It's it's I've yeah. it's if, if it, you would have told me this was originally a CW show, I'd believe you. Yeah, it, it, it feels it, standard, so standard. So I really liked it. I in fact loved it. Oh, I'm oh I'm ha I'm I'm happy for you. Oh boy, <laughs> I, I thought it was a really good first episode and i was really engaged in it and the story i was building um i really i did like courtney i thought she was an engaging character in this first episode um now i watched it in the beginning of the week so i can't give you too many specifics of why i believe that but i just can tell you what i felt um and i thought the opening of the show was also really cool especially if you're really a fan cool. of the really good. The opening if you're a fan if you're a fan of the JSA, that opening is a is is such a wet dream for you. <laughs> that opening is what I wish the show was. Yeah, I know. So, so yeah. I I've been wanting uh, JSA like DC just to just to pull. I just want JSA stuff. I like all those old heroes. I like those old heroes banging together and like this is what inspired the Justice League. The Justice Society inspired the Justice League. I want to see Old Flash. I want to see the original Green Lantern who eventually turns into Sentinel. I want to see Dr. Midnight, Hour Man, all those awesome old school comic book characters. And then it's like, like 
for some reason, like seeing them fight was cool, but just having um, Luke Wilson say, our man, Dr. Midnight was like, okay. The, the, the first, as, as great as that fight scene was, all yeah. the dialogue was, it's your name. It's your yeah. name. It's, it's your name. And then even Joel McHale, when he's fighting, he's like brainwave. I'm like, wow, you're definitely, okay, this it's is definitely for the people who don't know these characters at all, which is fine. It's totally fine. Cause obviously yeah. the JSA is old. It's very old. It's forties and thirties comic book characters. People don't know say, who the JSA um, is. Uh, I, I did the, the, it is a little me being a little negative, but it is very comic booky that opening, and so uh -huh. I don't have a problem with that because that's exactly what they do in comic books. When a character is introduced, they yell their name. So that's yeah. I'm not going to get over that. Um, I do think the effects are pretty. This is good. written. This is written by Jeff Johns, so that overlap does make that sense. Surprises me. This first, yeah. this is written by Jeff Johns. Um, this first this first episode only, I believe, is yeah. the only episode he wrote. Just the first that's episode. surprising. That's surprising to me because it's um, definitely written better. I want to I want to quickly point out that the green flame made me really happy because I really like Alan Scott as the Green Lantern. So seeing him, uh, seeing him just his flames, I was like, ooh, Green Lantern. Yeah. Oh, um, that was all, oh, all that stuff is cool. Yeah. Um, also, Solomon Grundy shows up in the beginning, and I thought that was a really nice pull because he used to be a Green Lantern villain. He was Alan Scott's villain uh, before he was a JS a, J a Justice League villain or a Batman yeah. villain. I agree, and I thought that whole like everything in the opening. Hello, I enjoyed, Justice Rican. I would like to go back to the book before we go too much further with the show. Sure. sure. Um, I like the art design of a lot of things in the mm -hmm. in the book overall. It's got a, um, a cartoony style. I, yeah. I liked the uh, crossover stuff with the Young Justice. That was, that that's my favorite stuff. Is the a end? Lot. Yeah. Um, I do. I do find Courtney to be very uh, difficult. She's just always being difficult. Um, yeah. she, she's constantly like making problems when they don't need to exist uh just yeah. and, and it's all driven from the narrative both in the show and the book it's all driven from the narrative of i just really hate my stepfather because god darn it he's too supportive he's just not my dad and that's, he's that's just, all that's he's the only just reason too darn nice and he makes my mom too happy f that guy and i'm like i don't i don't like, sympathize this with is, you this is rough uh in a world where i've know personally and have read plenty of stories about like difficult parentage this is not a good example of a kid having justifiable reasons to dislike a step parent like if sorry if, it if, sucks at least make pat a little more like have them butt heads more because pat seems really cool all he does Pat's is roll with pat is yeah. great he's a great stepfather so like again it makes me want to follow pat in his cool robot suit that could just up that could just like fix itself at all times with like this is a cool ass suit tell me more about him but then I've we're dealing with high school stuff. I can name you can name so many other stories, both comic book and non-comic book stories, where the step parent is a total dick, is a total jerk, and that gives it's reason awesome. as, as to why that why your main character, your protagonist, hates said step parent. And then you look at Pat; he does nothing wrong, and Courtney's just mad that she is that he is not her original father. But then you never know what happens to her dad in this in this uh, run of the book at all. So it's like. Why do you hate him so much? Your dad you're, was never there for you. you. And you don't even need to go that far. You can do what Ryan's saying, which is just, just at least show some more friction from his end where mm -hmm. like sometimes he's in the wrong, but like he's not, he's 100% always in the right. Yeah. And she's 100% always in the wrong. I would love yeah. for him. And it's really hard to get on board with a main character who's so blatantly 100% always in the wrong. Oh. And that she's supposed to be a hero. Agree with that. I, 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 I found her. I found her characterization of the book to be insufferable. 
Um, yeah, she's constantly she's constantly butting heads and constantly just yelling at people for no reason. Yes, it's so it's so aggressive. And honestly, the show is just that toned down a little. Yeah, but it's the like, same. The she's, only- she's, uh, she's abrasive and judgmental of everything. There's a part where she's walking through the halls of high school and gives a judgy look to someone because he's playing a tuba. Oh my god, I don't. That's oh. baffled me again. Like we're not talking about the show, but her first scene in the high school, she's just looking at people doing normal things, and she's like. Oh, oh, and I'm like, it's a tuba. What are you talking about? What are you I doing? I didn't catch that, but the one positive I will I give book Courtney, I, the one positive I will give book Courtney is that she stands up to the bully on her first day. Yes, like once that bully is trying to harass Mary for her lunch money, and then um, Courtney is just like essentially just like pins him up against the locker with her foot. Is like you don't do that. F you. Right. Yes. Yeah. The one positive I can give her. Everything else, uh-uh. Yeah, which which feels nicely heroic, and I wish that there was some amount of of. Uh, I, I like the setup of that about how it is like. I it didn't feel like female power forced in a way in the book, and I wish that they had pushed more in that direction on the show. It's I will more- say I will say there's a the the comparison moment in the show when when the when the bully guy walks up to her and he just calls the girl slut. I was like. Hold on. Yeah, I was like, this Excuse feels. me. I get like we're in high school and like uh, tropes, but like this this feels so, so old. Yeah. So oh, yeah. Uh, the book overall, I think is is fine. There there are bits that I I enjoy more than others. Um, but overall, it's it's really hard to get on board with Courtney supposed to be a hero. Yeah. Yeah. And um and I don't know why she just had to suddenly have braces like either she could have started that way or like it doesn't it doesn't do it's it weird it's just I mean, weird. honestly this, this book came out in 1999 and if if my memory serves back in the in the late 90s early thousands it was especially in like a bunch of high school shows or or things where they took place in high school having braces was one of those things was like oh god no i have to have braces because obviously no, i get i get uh, that i get that i just don't know why we didn't just start there Oh, because yeah. just having it come up rant, like in the middle of the comics, it doesn't it doesn't, it doesn't add, add to it. anything yeah. in particular. Like she's hiding her face for that first page, and then it's it's not important after that. So one of the biggest differences between the book and the show is that the JSA is alive and the DC Comics continuity at that time, mm-hmm. whereas they are not in the they are not in the show. Um, that creates an interesting dynamic for Star Girl. Sorry, the Star Spangled Kid as she is known in the first volume of this book, um, that she can team up with the JSA with her father, with well, not her father, her namesake's legacy. But they never show up, except for that one moment with Nebula Man at the end of the Nebula Man. Oh, where the entire superhero community shows up? That was wild. Yeah. Everyone so, like, Everyone there. Yeah. So like, I've always found it interesting that they're just like, oh, yeah, I was with the JSA yesterday. I was like, I want to see that. And I don't want to see you fighting whatever the hell the, the teacher villain is anymore. It's like Never the man. high school hijinks, I don't care. Let me uh, see uh, um, Star Spangled Kid and Stripe with the JSA. That I care about. I don't care about the high school hijinks. I really, really like Paintball. Oh, what a oh, weird yeah, Paintball. Yeah. Paintball that was cool. a good-looking villain. Yeah. I, really liked yeah. I really hope that shows up. It was so colorful. On the cool. show in like a really interesting, cool way. That'd be cool. Because <clears throat> it seems like they're taking a lot of the like the evil teacher stuff like straight from that book. Yeah. 
you I, we haven't seen we haven't yeah. seen any of the teachers. We, no. We've only seen the principal in the show for uh, for now. Yeah, and it looks uh, like yeah. the principal in the show is actually the boss of of whatever um, uh, Courtney's mom works at or something. Because they change things around from the book to the show. Um, there's so I I understand what Jeff Johns is trying to do with the series. Uh, he wants to. So there's a quote here. He's talking to somebody. Um, Listen, Pat, passing on the mantle isn't easy. It looks easy. A new flash pops up here, a new Green Lantern there. But there's more to than just giving your old set of tights. Uh, and I and that's like heroes are not made. They're bo- or heroes are not born. They're made. Right. So, stuff like that. So like obviously Courtney is going to become a hero. Like she's not a hero. And that's like she's going to become a hero. She's not going to become. She's not going to be the same jerk she was. The problem is. I find nothing redeemable about her right now. So I don't want to see her become a hero. There's nothing for me to believe that she's going to be a hero because I don't see it in her yet. You know what yeah, I mean? There's nothing, there's no moment there's no that heroic... really shows her uh, to be beyond selfish. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Um, she, I mean, she, we know just from context of the DC universe, we know that she is eventually given the, the cosmic staff and she mm-hmm. changes her name Stargirl. Um, the, I've seen very, very few star girl in the dc comics uh and of what i've seen of her i've enjoyed but if i had started here i don't think i'd give a shit <laughs> no i and i and even even like getting later on in the issues like when we get to the the alien stuff like i thought that was pretty charming i thought it was like a lot of fun like the i, know, I didn't like the aliens i like young justice coming in but i didn't like the alien bit see i thought like i was already I found, not enjoying it so like Jeff i thought Jones. that added something to it Jeff Johns has written The Young Justice before, and I've heard it's good. I've not read it. I've not read that one that one yet. Um, but I hated how he just was just how he treated Arrowette and Secret and uh, Wonder Girl. Those three. Yeah. What was up with got that? Uh, what was that one moment where um, Wonder Wonder Girl comes up to to Star Girl and she's like, uh, "Oh, you're the new." person i really love your costume and she's like side-eyeing her and like i wish i could say the same and it's like whoa yeah. what yeah <laughs> what, what is what? this it's um, like there's, um, there's a couple of there's a couple of dialogue moments in the comic that give me a lot of cringe there's one where she's talking about i hope the spandex doesn't make me look fat oh yeah and, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, or even the fact when all when all the boys when they're in high school they're all girl only robin's the straight one and then or the straight edge one where he's like guys focus on the mission and superboy and impulse are like googling girls as they walk by uh, there's another part where like her and shiv are fighting and it's like back off girlfriend and i'm like man even in the 90s this dialogue sucked um, again rogue rogue i love rogue showing up in this comic like i'm a big fan of rogue with with, with yeah, the gray yeah, hair uh-huh, yeah um, oh, yeah. Shiv seems cool like i'm i'm a fan of that like, like whatever that character is like she's just like a weird villain lady shiv, cool. shiv yeah yeah, yeah. Her, her, i like her, her staff her, her behavior with Josh in the book yeah. is something I like. And I'm like, man, I hope that's in the show because I really like that kind of like, oh, you'll do this for me. He's yeah. just he's just a just, peon. And then Josh yeah. is like, yeah, I think I'm over this. And she's like, I hope they all die. <laughs> yeah, like she's like controlling men. <laughs> like she's controlling people to her will. And like that one panel where she tells that like that geek kid or whatever, and it's like, hey, come over here, Karen Moe. She's like, oh, okay. And yeah, then yeah. Then throws them into locker. He becomes an order part of the Order of the Dragon or whatever or the bracket's called. There's a Seinfeld joke. Um, uh, so this is your stepfather? Yeah, jerk in a can available at a store near you. I'm like I know that. That's a joke from. That's a joke from Seinfeld. Jesus. The jerk's doing crazy. Do. You uh, know what's kind of sad? Like the the way I was reading this, it had the old ads from the '90s, like the old video game ads. Oh man, like I was yeah, having. I was having more fun looking at at those old video game ads than I was reading the Me book. Me too. 
I, I took a picture of this comic book that I've never heard of called um, Giant Killer, and it's from from the heart of a dead volcano. Monsters came to crush the earth, and it's a kaiju killing comic book from two thousand, and it looks insane. Uh, that sounds awesome. Looks, it's it's called Giant Killer. It's all it's like Japanese. Uh, just look up Giant Killer. It looks super cool. I'm, I never would have discovered it without reading an ad from nineteen ninety nine. It's future book club. Yeah. 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 I was, so let's let's can we get a little bit into the show now? Yeah. Yes, uh, I would like to spin from the book to the show to say there is a big problem I have with the first episode of the show. Uh, if your plot clearly based on the comic is to have that the town or at least the high school has some kind of like weird shit going on with it, that's fine. That's cool. Totally build that up because I felt those vibes when she's at the high school. I'm like, this is like cliche drama turned up to like 15 and the town being like, oh, hi, we're going to wave at you everywhere. Cool. That's totally fine to lay those eggs. Your characters have to notice that's weird. Otherwise, it's not clear that that's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, it just looks like weird, bad writing in the show. Because, like, when you have, like, entire families waving at you multiple times, like, they're walking down the street and there's entire families waving, saying hi, they all think that's totally fun. Like, wow, what a nice community. Definitely not out of the ordinary. I've never seen so, a super The The biggest... The- Another big change from the show is that the villains are the Injustice Society in the com- in the show, uh, whereas in the comic there, we, it's like Dragon King or whatever. Um, the Injustice Society appears to be characters that I've not heard of outside of Sullivan Grundy. Um, I do you know that these are characters from... I've never heard of Brainwave. <laughs> no, I've never heard of any of these characters. Um, yeah. Shade is in there too, but I don't know. I didn't catch the name, um, which I've heard of Shade. Uh, Shade is the top hat dude. The oh, he's got King, a cane. Man is also like a hero though, so that's interesting. Who's he used to, he used to be a villain. Shade the Changing Man used to be a JSA villain. Oh, cool. Yeah, but who's yeah. the magician guy that you see in the very beginning? The magician, the wizard. I think the wizard. Sorry, he's he's called the wizard. Whatever. Okay. He's he's another they, old school. As far as as far as a team called the Injustice Society, there was never a team called the Injustice Society. Um, so I do think that change is kind of is kind of interesting because they're they're building more along the lines of this is now going to be the legacy. The, they're going to build a new JSA. They're going to build a new legacy with these new characters. We've seen the posters. There's a new Wildcat. There's a new Iron Man. Um, yeah. Next season, I'm sure they're going to introduce a new Flash and Green Lantern. Good, cool. Um, Give us an old school Alan Scott. Get another season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but honestly, like I I found the stuff with her with her learning the staff to be really fun. Um, I thought that was really, really kind of the childlike wonder of her discovering how to use the staff and how she can do things. Uh, I don't think she's as insufferable and I, I do get your point. Um, but I did find her to be rather engaging, maybe not the best character to come out of anything, but I did, I did like her in the, in the show more than I did the comic. I, I can I, agree I, to that. I, like, I, I mean, yes, I like her more than the comic, but I don't, I still don't like her very much. Right. I but see, that's the thing. Like, I like, I liked her. I, I, and I cannot say that about the comic. I don't, I don't like her as a main character. I don't, I find her selfish. Mm-hmm. I find nothing heroic in her. And something about the way that they film the stuff with the cosmic staff makes it feel like she's just a person holding a staff that does everything for her. It's it's like upgrade because the staff's mm-hmm. doing everything for her. She's just yeah. a passenger. She's barely. Well, doing I think it. it's suppo- I think it's supposed to be like you see you see uh, Sylvester the Star Spangled Kid Starman uh, use the staff. I think it's supposed to be like a symbiotic union. You you yes. you I- work together. Yes, I get that. In this, it just looks like she 
is a tag along and the staff does everything because it, it, there's nothing there's nothing innately special about her uh there's there's I don't like how they bring up the we're going to address the dad in the room thing right away. Oh, just kidding. Never mind. We're not going to do that. Oh, let's just wave that away real quick. Um, I don't like that. Uh, it's it's telling to me that I think the best moment in the show is from Amy Smart when she's talking to her and explains why Pat has been good to them. And yeah, everything. Amy Smart. Yeah. I'm like, this is the emotional moment that matters to me because of her and not anything to do with the daughter. That's pretty telling to me. So one of the uh, things that one of the things I appreciated in the show was that she doesn't. Um, she's not. Uh, I don't feel this way anyway. I didn't feel like she was so um, uh, insufferable towards Pat. Like she doesn't like Pat because she upended her life. And I understand that. Like I've been, I've moved around a lot when I was a kid. I hated my family for moving me around. I've had five and, stepdads. I get it. And so, like, I thought that was more believable. And even when she realized that perhaps Sylvester is her father, and she doesn't know for sure. Um, I found that to be, and her heel turn with Pat, like she all of a sudden now like kind of likes him, kind of trusts him uh, in, in this journey. Uh, I felt that was more believable and I felt that was more engaging than her just calling everybody a jerk in the comic. I don't, I don't feel like she trusts him now though. I don't feel like that bond is really there. The episode ends, it's, ends with him showing up in the robot, right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, how it yeah. Ends. yeah. I don't think, I don't think there's enough trust built there yet. That's I think a good looking robot. And look, yeah. I understand. Yes, it is. And the car's cool, too. I understand that this is a first episode. But in a first episode, I ended not really caring about the main character. Yeah. Because she's just kind of aggressively mean to everybody around her. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of reason I, for and, me to and like Again, I've seen, I've seen protagonists. She also yeah. seems really stupid. Uh, yeah. Like, she can't <laughs> catch on to a lot of really basic things. Again, it's a problem to me that she goes through the high school being so cliche dramatic and has no response to that being out of the ordinary. Yeah. Just like, this is fine. I would say, I would say. This is fine. It's fine. Like we've had, we've had uh, our main characters be jerks before and they have to grow as characters. That happens in a lot of shows. The problem is I didn't see anything in this first episode to indicate she is a good person or a hero. You know what I mean? Like she starts like wibbly wobbly and turns into the great hero we all know. I didn't see the start of a hero in this first episode. Now the second episode will give me more, I'm sure, but this is the pilot. This is supposed to be the episode that gives me that. I guess I just didn't see her as that insufferable jerk. Like I I, I get that she's a little, that she's a little selfish and she's a little upset and she, but I, I bought her as just an upset teenager more than I bought her as just a jerk like she is in the comics. And I, I, I guess that's probably where the difference is uh, in our in our perception of the show is that I just don't think this, the Courtney Whitmore of the show is in fact a jerk. I just think she's upset and she doesn't know how to uh, process that. Yeah, I just, I I don't, I, I wish they had shown me more to make me like her. That's mm-hmm. all. Yeah, I just don't, I don't like her, regardless of if it's because she is a jerk or she's just upset about things. They didn't give me a single moment that made me go, I'm on board with her. I'm with her. Do you know who I, I am on board with? Her mom and Pat and, and like right. some of the villains. <laughs> no, because when I when the show first starts off, it dangles that JSA character. Let's talk about uh, what? Yeah. No, no, go. No, I was gonna say it dangles that JSA character and then switches out for the. Uh, Stargirl Broccoli that I didn't want. Well, I mean, to be fair, it's called Stargirl. So, like, I'm not expecting it to be a JSA show immediately. I know. Yeah. I am glad that at least... I mean, it's not supposed to be. It's a show about legacy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I, I, uh, let's talk about Luke Wilson. I thought he was really good. I did too. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad that, uh, he's given something to do. Uh, uh, cause like, I don't, I don't see him around very much and I really like him. Can I tell you, no, a, can I I didn't... you a perfect example of what I mean about like, sorry, cause I just thought of it about, uh, Courtney being just like ambivalently aggressive towards everyone in the show. It's when she's about to go down and find the staff and she passes by her stepbrother who's watching Marshmallow's Microwave and she has to stop and ask him, what are you doing? He's like, microwaving marshmallows. And she just gives him such a look of disgust and upset that is just unearned. And that's what I mean by like, she's just being terrible in every moment. There's rarely a moment where she's being likable. Mm. I think I, I think I, I think I, I see what you're saying, but I read that scene differently, I guess. Um, I want to talk about something uh, real quick about uh, Sylvester, uh, Joel McHale as a small role in this, but I thought he was pretty good as Starman. I think he, he embodied the the superhero role for a bit. uh, Really really nicely. Really, really nicely. But I didn't care for the whole, like, find someone who's worthy, not you. Yeah, I didn't like that that I'm glad you brought that up. Okay, so I had a pro. I didn't have a problem with that when I didn't think this was actually a death scene. And then he did die. Oh yeah. And I'm like, okay, that's really off in humor and a yeah. weird way to start this show. It's definitely a Joel McHale sense of humor, but it it's, is. But it's not. But it feels like Star Joel Girl. McHale. It doesn't feel like this show. Yeah, it's not CW. Yeah, it's it's totally. Yeah, I, I found I found that that bit to be really jarring as far as the as far as quote unquote humor went. See, I if, agree with if you. the whole show was totally like that, then I would have been more on board with it. Because I laughed when that first happened, I laughed. But then the rest of the show was a traditional CW show. And I'm like, oh, so Joe McHale was just being Joe McHale for one minute. That's all we're getting to that. I'm like, oh, then don't even do that. Don't bite fly. Okay. I mean speaking talk about being mean. He's very mean to Stripesy. Yeah. <laughs> he's very yeah. mean to a sidekick. Very Jeff Winger. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I I agree. Like it's it felt it felt uh, out of place. Yeah. Considering like the comic, like they're they're they get along great, right? They're BFFs. Yeah. They're, they, we didn't see any animosity, at least from the eight issues. I actually read 10 issues because I read the zero issue, which is a double-sized issue. I thought that was in, in the trade. That's okay. Uh, I learned more about Jack Knight, and he's the Starman. The, the Starman at the time of the, of the publishing of the comics, yeah. Jack yeah. Knight. Starman has a very... I'm not... I am not surprised that they decided to combine Star Spangled Kid and Starman because Starman has a confusing history in comics. His... Yeah, man. His... Yeah, James Robinson and his whole journey with doing Starman. Because the original Starman is owned by someone else, not DC, but the, the licensed Starman is owned by DC. It's really weird. Yeah, it's yeah. one of those situations. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. I'm, I think I'm about done. What do you guys think? Um, I just, I, I remember really liking that second trailer that we watched. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm trying to remember what it was about that, that, that I didn't see in the show that I've watched it now. Um, yeah. And I wonder if it's stuff from later in the season that involves more GSA stuff. But honestly, your main character doesn't isn't a draw for me, so it's really hard for me to want to watch a show anymore. And that's the thing is, like, I, I was talking to Ryan about it is that we've watched other, um, uh, we've watched other CW shows and other origin superhero shows. And in the first episode, like, I like Oliver Queen. I like uh, Batwoman. The, the I Flash. Like, yeah. I like the Flash. You see the uh, heroism in those characters. Yeah. Yes. Uh, uh, I like the characters in Titans, even though some are assholes. I like the characters in Doom Patrol, even though some are assholes. Like, I just, this feels 
weirdly like it wasn't it, it didn't hit the right notes to i think engage an audience that isn't already like interested in the jsa or in just dc comic shows i don't think it did enough to pull them in like i'll yeah. keep watching for now because i like dc comic shows and i like a lot of the surrounding pieces of what this show's about but uh I don't think this was as strong as I wish it had been. I this, gotta, this feels much more like when uh, this was first announced and I kind of went, wait, why? Uh, I'm kind of going, wait, why? Honestly, thinking of all the pilots for the other CW shows, like I liked, I know I liked Arrows more. I know I liked Flashes more. Like I didn't watch, I don't remember Batwoman's, but like- The only one I this can think feels, of that is worse is Legends. This feels like a CW show from 10 years ago. Like it looks so much better, but there's nothing structurally- um, in terms of scripting or plot that make it feel like this comic, this show could have come out 10 years ago and it would have been the exact same to me. Like, it just looks better. Um, I really thought with DC Universe pushing this, uh, it would be a better show and it wouldn't feel like a traditional CW show. But it, this is why maybe it's on the CW because it, it's a traditional show. And, then, and since John's is coming back to it now and writing this episode, I would expect it to have a little bit more of, a, of, of something to bring to the table that... that that feels more like him having learned as a writer. And I don't, I feel like he's adapting a little too closely to the best of something that we've all acknowledged. Isn't very good. Yeah. Like, isn't his best. And he's keeping it a little too close. Like he could have, he could have evolved Courtney as a character, even just from the outset, just to be more complicated. Again, like it's the same problem from the comics that like, there isn't enough justification for her being upset from like directly with Pat when she's engaging with him. He's not difficult enough. He's too nice. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work. It just makes her seem like a bitch. Yeah. And he didn't bring enough of what he, I know he's learned as a writer to the table here to make this feel like an evolved piece of work. Judging also if like, cause again, we, we read the first trade, the eight issues. Um, if it, if the show progresses at the same rate as the comic, I, I don't see myself watching this at all. Because, like, if she doesn't get any better for this first season, I, I, I couldn't watch the show. I really yeah. couldn't. I, I don't think I could. That's, that's me, of course. That's me. This is the second, this is the third time Stargirl's been in live action. Uh, second time Jeff Johns has written Stargirl in live action. Oh, yeah, he wrote Smallville, the, right? the Smallville two-parter, The Justice Society. Right, right. Um, I gotta say, I really like the Stargirl that was in Legends. I really liked her. Was it the same girl? No. Oh. Uh, it was yeah. uh, one of the Power Rangers, right? Yeah. yeah. I'd have to look. But um, I really liked her in her Legends appearances, and this doesn't feel as good. Hmm. Okay. Um, ben, do you have any final words? I kind of anything more to say. Really, when I was watching this, I was it, it felt long. The episode itself just felt long. One of the things I was really bummed out, and a character I actually liked from the comic was Mary, and how Mary was just regulated to her hometown friend and not her new friend at Blue Valley High. That's a good point. Because yeah. and, and oh, yeah. don't be wrong, Courtney in the book is she's kind of insufferable, but the fact that Mary becomes her friend, tries to show around school, even um, yeah, right. tries to help. Uh, like and even though I didn't like the aliens, she's like, no, I'm a techno geek. I can I can fix stuff like this. Obviously, I could only assume later on in that in the run of the comics. Mary becomes a more vital part of the team at the pit stop, 
But the fact that she's just thrown under the bus entirely in the show kind of takes me off because I actually I like her. If she's going to sure show up later, be more present yeah, she's got to show up later because she's important. Because not yeah. only that, she, she humanizes Courtney. Like Courtney's yeah. best moments are when like Mary's there in the comics and calling her out and saying, "I don't know, you I need mean, that was foil. that really that yeah. bad?" Yeah, like she even foil. calls, yeah, she even calls out uh, Courtney for a ragged arm mob, and she's like, "At least you have one." Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah, you need that. So, you need that uh, force against her. I mean, yeah. Who knows? Maybe Mary will show up in the in the show. But I, the only part where I actually like perked up when I was watching the show was when Stripe showed up, and that's at the like very the very end. The last three seconds of the show is when you see Stripe. Robot looks great, but then I'm like, I don't know if I want to come back because the whole time I'm like, uh, I mean, yeah, the, well, I know we're comparing this, but I wasn't enjoying myself. I felt how long this episode was. This episode felt super long. It, it was also like an actual like hour. It was like fifty three minutes. And uh, and yeah. speaking just to like the DC universe shows, I think this is the roughest I've felt about a pilot since Titans. Titans, I didn't come in loving either. Yeah, uh, there were a lot of things I didn't like about that either. Um, in fact, Titans' whole first season still wears a little like some things are great and some things aren't to me. Mm-hmm. Whereas season two has been much better. Um, but comparing it to Doom Patrol or Swamp Thing, Ooh, baby. this is not oh. matching their tone if or this, their level. If this as far would... as like. Uh, where I feel like, oh man, we're hitting the all qualities. those qualities. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, every like Harley Quinn, all the shows on DC Universe are great. And if this would have premiered on DC Universe, this would have been the first true like misstep, I think. Because even even I like Titans a little bit more than you, but even I could recognize it's fine. But th- I, this is not as good as Titans, even the first season. I think. I think there's characters I like a lot more in Titans. But again, it is just one episode. This could yeah. change. I hope so. But this was this was more disheartening than I wanted it to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was pretty excited for it too. We'll see. I I, uh, I I like this. I'll keep going with it. I'm glad. No, I'm glad. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I'm gonna give it more chances. It's not like I'd want to dislike things. Yeah. Um. Okay. So next week, this, we're going back to the book club. It's my turn. I don't know what I'm going to do. I forgot to pick before I left. Oh, so no! I, will, I will let you guys know on social media. Uh. And then. There, we do have an idea for next week. We're not going to, I, I figure we, we shouldn't say it yet in case we'll something hold, happens. We'll hold back on it for now. Um, but uh, if we can make it work, it should be a lot of fun. Um, but we we do have a new fake nerds watch in the in the, in the bucket. Um, oh, yeah. We, we recorded a, a discussion of the final four episodes of Clone Wars, the Siege of Mandalore arc. Uh, so, so stay tuned for that. Yeah, that'll go up. That'll go up this coming week. So will a new basement arcade. Cool. Um, okay. So as we as we said, so we so check us out on YouTube. We are, if you guys are watching this live show, check us. Uh, make sure to like and subscribe. Um, like this video. Subscribe to our channel. Um, everything helps. Every, we all appreciate it. Um, it. If you want to check out more of us, we have Victor Victor's Watch. As I just said, Siege of Mandalore coming up. Basement arcades for uh, Swamp Thing, as we just mentioned. We have Watchmen. We have uh, tons of other stuff. <laughs> The boys, Stranger Things. Tons of other stuff. Dark Crystal. <laughs> and uh, also, we have Basement Arcade right now going on. There's Mortal Kombat 9. Uh, and as Spark said, well, the new episode will be up soon. Um, yeah. All right. We also have a Funko affiliate. You can use promo code SHOP10 for 10% off your purchase if you click the link in our description uh, below. Um, this description of this video and the description of our if you're listening to this on the audio. We also have a Patreon and a Public. If you want to support us on Public, there are masks. I was able to actually figure out how to make those work. Um, so if you guys are still you know, worried about going outside, there are masks on Public. I'm actually going to buy a new uh, phone sleeve, uh, one of our logos, phone sleeves maybe, uh, thinking about it. 
Um, we got a lot of cool stuff up on our tea public right now and our Patreon, obviously second to what? Be responsible, stay healthy, wear a mask. All that. Um, uh, Patreon, if you guys can support us, uh, please do. Uh, every little, but every little bit helps. Uh, like, subscribe, uh, review on iTunes, uh, Patreon, buy on Sea Public helps. Um, everything. Uh, if you want to find us, if you want to find everything, we have, we have a website, fakenerdpodcast.com. You can find everything we do, including blogs, including our YouTube page, including our T Public and our Patreon. Everything is up there. Uh, fakenerdpodcast.com. All of those are in the link in the description. Hmm? Prawn Hub. Prawn Hub. Prawn Hub. Um, thank you to everyone who listens. Thank you to everyone who's watched this. Thank you to the to Solo Wookie and Justin Rican who popped in for a second. Um, yeah. Greatly appreciate you guys sticking around this long and uh, watching us throughout uh, all this quarantine cast. Thank you to Jeremy Bellucci. If you are not listening, if you are listening to this after on iTunes or our podcast uh, or podcast or the video, thank you. I'm sure you heard all of his great music. Uh, so thank you to him. You can find him at Jeremy Belucci Keyboards. He has a podcast called Suburban Proctologist. You can find that on iTunes. He also got a YouTube page. You can find his Instagram at Subproc Podcast. His Facebook, Suburban Proctologist Official. Um, new episode went up recently. So that's nine episodes of very funny comedy uh, done by our good friend, Jeremy Belucci. Um, thank you to Mike Patola. Uh, Mike, you're great. We love you. Um, you can find him at Mike Patola. He did our logos. Um, you can find those, those logos on our Public. Find all this awesome artwork. Uh, he recently did. Uh, he recently remade a piece of art that he had done. Yeah, uh, because it was lost. Like that's because it was stolen. Incredible. Yeah, he's a and nice he's guy. So, yeah, he's, he's a great, good, great guy. Um, all right. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all the Fake Nerd Podcast, Fake Nerd Guys at gmail.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us personally, I'm a BT McClure. I'm on Twitter. Uh, Sparks, why don't you go next? You can find me uh, transforming into a blue Super Saiyan on Xenoverse 2 at Sparks Witty on Instagram, Twitter, S-P-A-R-K-Z Witty. Ryan? You can find me at DJ Tony Snark everywhere that the internet is uh, is alive. Just type in DJ Tony Snark. If you want to follow me on Twitch or YouTube, type in DJ Tony Snark 616. I'm streaming stuff. Maybe it'll work. We'll see. Ben? And you can find me praising the sun and taking much-deserved naps at bedmagnet 27 on Instagram and Twitter. And also, because I love old-school video games, I also write for oldschoolgamermagazine.com. I swear I'm going to start and hopefully finish a new article tonight. I know I've been lagging on it severely, but I will get one out tonight or tomorrow. Definitely before next week. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Rate and review wherever you get us. We greatly appreciate it, guys. Until next week. Uh, I'm going to wait. Stay fake, nerds.